Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. PJ, it was like you know, in Croke Park and Cork winning the All-Ireland for me. The massive problem we have in this country is the shadow economy, the black market. Everything can be controlled, and that's the job of the government. I just wanted to give back. We're all going to be old someday. It's nice to know that there's someone looking out for you. Join the conversation. Call 0818 a nice morning out there for the first proper morning of spring. Good morning, Wednesday, the 1st of March. This morning, five years ago, we touched on it yesterday. This morning, five years ago, the beast from the east had landed and we were under several inches of snow there had been a savage frost nobody could go anywhere there was a, a red weather warning in place the schools were closed we were living in the radio station for a couple of days nobody could get in and out of their homes Maryborough Hill was a ski slope there was a fella on a snowboard coming down Patrick's Hill that was five years ago today you'll have seen more warnings in your newspapers over the last day or two about Beast from the East 2 and I told you that I wouldn't believe it until Alan O'Reilly and Carla Weather said it was coming he an hour ago has just said yes next week is going to get colder, it could get quite considerably colder in the next week but at the moment there's no sign of a Beast 2 Northern Britain will get a lash of snow but there doesn't seem to be anything coming our way by way of a beast from the East Mark II at this point. And like I said, until Alan O'Reilly says it's coming, I'm not going to believe anybody. But five years ago this morning, we were in the thick of it. Good morning. And there was nothing on the roads. There was nothing on the roads this morning uh, five years ago. But now there's bad temper everywhere. I don't know if you've noticed this. We've had a few calls in the last while and a few emails asking us to address this and asking us to maybe get people to call and email and text as to why we think the roads have gotten so angry. Like I drive in here every morning. I'm usually in parking and reading the paper in the car about 10, quarter past, maybe 20 past seven. I'm coming in on quiet roads. I go home at lunchtime and the roads are very, very busy. And yes, there is a, there's an impatience out there. People just 
can't wait to get to where they're going. And it seems like the bigger the car, the bigger the emo, the ego. And there you are. I, I have bull bars, so you better get out of me way kind of thing. Or my favourite one is, I'm driving a Merc. Can't you see I'm driving a Merc? Can't you see it's a 231 BMW under my arse? Get out of my way. There's a lot of that out there. There always was, but there's more of it now. And Linda, you're a learner driver, and you're struggling at the... Or your, your daughter is, and you're struggling Hi, at the moment. Hi, good morning. Yes, good morning, PJ. It's yeah. my daughter that's yeah. a learner driver. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like she's struggling at the moment. Absolutely. Look, this has been on my mind for a while. She's driving since last summer. Um, to be honest with you, I consider her a good driver. She's just waiting for her test, yes. which is another battle because it's 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 backlogged so far that it's crazy. Um, it's the bullying and the whole aggression for L drivers and for N plate drivers. I can only speak for my for my own daughter. Yeah. Um and it's absolutely ridiculous. It's it's gone to the stage where you know you hear a car beep and you're actually looking around because you're thinking they're beeping at yourself, you know. Yeah. Um I take her, she drives to school, so I take her car back and I've noticed people beeping at me for absolutely no reason, PJ. Um constantly being tailgated you know, beeping, flashing. Um, I actually genuinely feel so sorry for people that are actually taking, you know, wanting to go out to learn how to drive. Mm. What people seem to forget is that we were all in this position. Yeah. You know, we all had to start to drive. We all had to learn. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's no private roads we can all go on to actually learn. We have to go out there and face it. And this this craziness now obviously i can't hire everyone because there's very nice drivers on the road as well but like for instance she came back last night she went out for two hours um with my friend and she came back last night and she was quite upset she yeah. said i actually feel like taking off my l plates mom because she said the amount of drivers flashing forcing her to pull in when she has right of way mm. on hills and I said to her, obviously, she's not going to take off her, her L plates, PJ. But it's this whole bullyingness that's actually going to force people off the road because they just don't want, they won't want to drive. It's Now, it's bad enough. I mean, we drive, I drive every day, I'm driving 30 odd years. And the aggression that's on the road at the moment is bonkers. Have you, know, you seen it increase? Crazy. I mean, like when you drive your own car. Do you get yeah. the same flashing of lights, tailgating? No. no, 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 I don't. And that's me being honest, you know, yeah. I don't. And I, I I, can only speak because I've been in Leah's car and she, it's constant. It's, it's beep, beep. Like I was turning in off a road, minding my own business. And just out of a blue, a car, a car decided to just beep. And I was like, what the actual hell? So I could only imagine what she's feeling yeah. and what other L drivers are feeling and other N plate drivers are feeling. When and when you're learning to do a manoeuvre, you're learning to do something that takes a bit of skill and a bit of practice and you get that beep from this idiot behind you. And I'm going to say this, I have a BMW under my arse. Get out of my way. They're the worst in the world, right? Yeah. It'll, it'll put you off for the rest I of the just, day. I just think it's everyone. I just No, not everyone, obviously, but it, I don't feel personally that it depends on the car that you're in i just feel that it's and and for the like for 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 my sake when i go into the l car the learner car um 
I don't particularly, you know, notice that it's the person with the bigger car. I just think it's aggression. Yeah. I just think it's bully tactics that, oh, Jesus Christ, she's going to be slow now, so we need to get in a hurry. And I understand that people are in a hurry. And I understand that people, you know, need to be at places and meetings. But for the love of God, we all were in this position. Think before you react. Because you know what, PJ? The, the people that are doing this, at some stage, their family is going to want to learn how to drive. You know, they, they also forget that they had to learn, Linda. But they do. They do. And I think that's the bottom line, you know. I mean, look, I even now know that when I'm out on the road um, and I see a learner driver, I'll back back off. You know, I won't be as, you know, I won't. Mm. I just feel sorry for them. Because take I'm a breath. Let's, let, let them, them out. Yeah. Take, take your, I, I yeah. tell you something that happened very early when my daughter was learning to drive. And I'm a stubborn old goat. And she, mm-hmm. I said to her one day, drive us home there. And she sat into this little battered old Fiesta we used to have. And I don't know if you know it at all, the finger post roundabout in Douglas. I do. It I is do notoriously that. difficult to get onto that roundabout from, mm-hmm. from, from, say, the vet side. You know where we are, right? Yeah, from, shocking. Very yeah. hard to get on. And moreover, she was only just learning to clutch properly. So there we were mm-hmm. trying to get onto the roundabout. And sure, if she stalled the car once, the poor devil, she stalled it six times trying to get her gap and get out. And she says to me in the end, she said, Dad, will you take over? I said, no, I have no intention of taking over. We'll sit here until you get it together. And she says, there's a queue behind me. I said, Sodom, Sodom. They all had to learn one time. And if any one of them want to get sharp, they can be getting sharp with me and I'll tell them the second world will be off. And we stood, we sat there for 20 minutes nearly until she got out. And she eventually got out and she never, she never messed that up again. Yeah. Yeah. And you see, I think it's 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 appalling, though, that, you know, the amount of cars that were behind. And I keep saying that to my daughter. I keep saying, you know, stop worrying about whoever's behind you, because at the end of the day, you need to focus on what you're doing at yeah. that particular time. And I said, take, you know, put your cool head on. Like, Peter, she's driven places that I wouldn't even drive. She's been up Patrick's Hill. She was hostile all yeah. around Wellington Road. Yeah. She drives to town. She's She's got a lot of hours behind her belt. I yes. put it that way. Yes. And I just don't, it, it'll just take one person to just throw you out, you know. Yeah. And you know yourself, it's like a domino effect. If I'm driving, you know, down to work or whatever, and if someone is aggressive to me in the road, that puts you into a bad form then for like most of the morning. Because you're going, Jesus almighty, tonight, you know, what was I doing wrong? I did nothing wrong. So this is how she's portraying it. It's like, here I am trying to learn how to drive. And all I'm saying to people out there, because there's been really nice people on the road we've encountered as well. Um, But the people that are out there that are frustrated, please just think before you react. Because you know what? It could be your daughter or it could be your son, your brother, your sister at some stage. You have to start. Two comments coming in. Dave says, PJ, Linda is so right. I'm driving 20 years, but I've noticed people bullying L drivers. Also, when young people are having driving lessons with an instructor, I've noticed people overtaking the instructor's car and beeping them out of the way. God love them. They're just learning. Will you give them a chance? And Anna says, on top of this, she said, the number of four by fours tearing through red lights would scare you. People are so angry and aggressive on the roads at the moment. How, how is your daughter doing? I mean, you say she'll, she'll make a fine driver one day. She will. She'll make a fine driver one day. It's in her blood, you know. And at the end of the day, it's, it's you know, it's just to get over. First of all, she needs to get a call for her test, which yeah. is another day's story because it's just backlogged. 
you know, obviously then you, I have to, or my friend has to be available to go in the car with her. Yeah. She obviously can't drive on her own. Um, she's doing, I personally am not biased, but I think she's doing absolutely fantastic. She can drive, Fiji, you know. She has done so much hours, and I think that's the key. You know, practice, practice, get those hours in. And, oh, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, she'd make a fine driver. We used you know? to get but up on a Sunday I, morning. We used to get up on a Sunday morning, myself and, and, and my daughter, and we'd go out on the roads and I'd bring her to the most awkward, narrow, hilly, yeah. twisty places I knew from my years on the road with my job. And she said, come on, Dad. I said, no, you drive here on a Sunday morning when there's little or nothing around. Then the next time we bring you back, I'll bring you back when there's a traffic jam. Yeah. And you handle it and you breathe. And we used to say, as you're going along, I'd say to her, right, we'd come up Sunday as well. You know Sunday as well? We'd come up Sunday yes. as well by the old church. Yeah. And I'd say, draw breath now because there's a fella going to come up at you here like yeah. the hammers of hell from the other side. Yeah. And you have to be ready for him. He may never Absolutely. come. Absolutely. He may never come or she may never come. But here you are in your little fiesta, mooching along, doing grand, minding yourself. There is going to be some girl come up that road driving like he has stolen it. And yeah. you need to be ready. Yeah. You know, I always say, you know, expect the unexpected, yeah. you know, always have, always read the road and expect the unexpected. Because I said, and I say this as a rule, you can be a fantastic driver, PJ, but it's whoever is coming against you. Absolutely. And it could be just one little slip. It could be anything, you know, but you just, break. you know, just putting it out there that for anyone that, and I know, listen, I personally think since COVID, I just think the aggression on the road in general has gone worse because, you know, we're faced, PJ, with an awful lot of uh, roadworks. We're faced with a lot of roads closed. And that that adds to the frustration. And I think then when these poor creators that are going out trying to learn are even doing their test and you've got these feckers then up their backside trying to push them on and tailgate them, I just think it's, you know, it's shocking, like, you yeah. know. Wish her so, good luck for me. Wish her good luck for me. And and I know she'll make a fine driver, like you said, Linda. Thank you so much. 0818 96 96 96. Olivia and Rose want to get in on this one. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at Cork's Citymarathon.ie We all love Irish music and the artists that make it. Cork's 96FM is proud to support Irish Music Month throughout March by promoting the amazing work of Irish artists. Across the country, independent radio with hot press is spotlighting Irish music and paying Irish artists over €100,000 to play and perform for us. We're committed to promoting Irish music. Are you? Irish Music Month, proudly supported by Hot Press, IBI and the BAI Sound and Vision Fund. On Cork's 96FM. So Linda started a conversation this morning. Are the roads a more aggressive place than they used to be? Particularly if you're a learner driver. I tell your daughter, says Danny, this is addressing Linda. Tell your daughter to drive whatever way she likes and F them all. She's paying her tax. She doesn't have to answer to anyone. There are some complete dopes on the road. And Brendan says, I passed my test about eight months ago when I was a learner driver. The number of times I was dangerously cut off by cars. It's just mad. It's settled now. I have the end plate. But on the L's, it's awful. Olivia, you wanted to say something. Morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good, good. You, did you agree with Linda? I, I, I do. I do agree with, with Linda in, in so far as 
I think she makes really, really important points about the importance of minding learner drivers. You know, we've all been there and, um, you know, they, they, they have a right to be on the road and we need to respect that. And I also agree that, you know, I have experienced times where drivers have been impatient and a bit rude. Mm. But I have to say, PJ, I, I moved to Ireland from Switzerland um, over 20 years ago now. Right. And I suppose, first of all, I, I you know, I, I don't know if there's any other, any other country where when I went to do my driving test and the first time I did it, I failed it. And so obviously I was still a learner driver and yet I could drive off alone in my car with, with L plates. Yeah. Um, and so, you I know, don't think you could do that anymore now, no, but you could no, for years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Remember those. And uh, yeah, so times have changed, which is, you know, which is a good thing. But I, you know, coming from Switzerland, I regularly go back and drive over there. I mean, honestly, Irish drivers are a dream, a dream compared to drivers on the continent in, for example, France or or Switzerland. I mean, these, they are so aggressive. I mean, every, every, every single time I'm on the roads in Switzerland, I get honked at, I get lights flashed, I get tailgated, I get fishtailed, you know, when they pull in right in front of you. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, Swiss people are by nature very polite and, you know, very calm. But I think they just take out all their pent-up aggression when they're behind the wheel. Yeah. And every time I'm over there, I just think, oh, my gosh, Ireland. And and would you be driving a rental car? I would sometimes. But previously, I would have driven a local car as well. So I would have had local plates. Good. So they wouldn't have known that I was... And, you know, I'd be confident driving in Switzerland. I know where I'm going. I know the road. Um, and I'm used to driving on both sides of the road, you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just... I just, And only recently I was in Switzerland last month. And since coming back, I every time I'm on the road here, I'm, like, grateful. Um, you know, Irish drivers tend to be really nice in terms of letting you join a queue or, yeah. you know, just a bit more laid back and, and, and patient, yeah. I think. But yeah. I'm, I'm not taking away from Linda's experience and what she's experienced. No. I'm sure that's out there. In fact, one of the worst experiences I had in terms of aggression was at the Dunkettle Interchange one time where um, someone, actually a BMW driver, and I think you were talking about them earlier. I'm only taking the mickey, but sometimes, I know, I know, sometimes I... the, be- the, the most serious point is made in jest. Go on. For sure, for sure, for sure. But as it happens, this, this was a BMW as well. And he pulled in my, into my lane, like right in front of me. You know, I think that's called fishtailing, isn't it? Yes. And like I had to slam on the brakes. And so I just, even without thinking, I just did a little honk, you know, because it was more out of fright, do you know? And he slammed on his brakes in front of me. And I kid you not, PJ, he got out of the car. And I swear, he looked like someone crossed between a rugby player and an MMA fighter, right? got out of the car and was making his way towards me and the look on his face was not saying I'm going to have a happy conversation with you I could not get out of there fast enough I just pressed on the gas and off 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 I went I wasn't going to be hanging around it was very scary that's pure aggression I was alone in the the car that's pure aggression oh my gosh so you say we're okay we're compared to Europe we're okay I think so, PJ. I, I really do. I, I, I think from my experience, the times I have experienced um, aggression or impatience on the, the roads in Ireland has been few and far between, whereas 
every day I drive in, in Switzerland, for example, I experience it several times, right. you know. All right, Olivia, thank you. Rose, you're, you're up next. The point that Olivia's making about, or the point I made to Olivia about um, rental cars was, I don't do it anymore now. When I go on holidays, I couldn't be bothered driving. I might do it for a day or two, but I used to hire a, a car. When the kids were small, I used to hire a car for the whole of the fortnight when we'd be away, just to have, you know, a way of getting around with them. But you do find in some tourist areas, they know the rental cars, and they don't give an inch to the rental cars, particularly the cities. And one of my favourite cities in the world is Palma, and I don't like driving in Palma at all. It's just so the, the locals are, they hate the rental cars. Between them and buses, they nearly kill you. Rose, what were you trying to say? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. It's amazing now that this came on this morning because it was in my head yeah. that I might even ring you. I have, I'm driving for nearly 50 years, but it's in the last few months, particularly on the Link Road, the South Link, and the N25 going to Middleton, which I would use a lot. There. Before the tunnel and after the tunnel, there's a 60 km. Then it goes to 80 and you kind of get to Little Island, you know. And if you try and keep to the speed limit, people get irate. I've been flashed at, beefed at, glared at. And like you'll be saying, it's written up that there's a camera sign and the same coming the other way. I go to Blarney and if you turn, you know, go up Sunday as well, turn right by Claheen Church, there's a 60k with a continuous white line. Yeah. It drives people crazy when you do 60. And it's only in the last few months, whether I'm just conscious of it now, with, you know, people talking about it. And you hear people talking about slow drivers. Are you a slow driver because you're keeping the speed limit? I mean, I do the 100 when it's 100, 120, but I try to keep to the speed limit, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. to avoid penalty points. Oh, no. But what I've noticed lately, I used to find large vehicles, lorries, all that, very courteous on the road. Where I'm finding now, in the 80, particularly in 60, in the N25, they come right up nearly to your bumper and flashing. And you are doing the speed limit. What? Where do they want me to go? <laughs> like you know I, like I can't just disappear and you may be sure if I went flying off I'd be caught <laughs> I know I know and I, I know the roads you're talking about and I also know they're out Blarney towards Mallow I drive out there every couple of weeks there's a stretch out there sort of as you get onto the main road to Mallow you come down from the 100 down to the 60 back to 80 and back to the 100 yeah and, yeah. and you know the man with the camera the cash wagon like they, yes. He's going to be sitting there. So I I'm very careful. And I come yeah. way down to the 60. And I've been blown sideways Terrible. by some gobshagging the Do you find on the link, like I find doing 60, I'm nearly, I'm nearly standing still. Like I find it is very slow. <laughs> 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 Hang on a second. Ooh, yeah, I know. I know. You know, I know. it I seems to be when you come out there of the tunnel and, um, you know, the 60 goes on for quite a bit. I'm sure I'm the only one who ever thought maybe it is a mirage, I don't know. <laughs> but, like, you feel as if you're hardly moving in fairness, you know? I know, but you're doing, you're doing the right thing. Rose, thank you. Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Yeah, that stretch on the way. I don't know the townland. I should know the townland. I go through it every time I drive out towards Mallow. But it's, there's a garage there that just does diesel. And there's a cross, and there used to be a little shop there one time. And it comes from the 100 down to 60, 
to 80 and back to the 100 again. And if I've seen the cash wagon parked there once, I've seen it parked there a 100 times, which is why I'm extremely careful. Maeve says, I think a lot of it is due to the frustration of drivers sitting in lines since they went and changed the lanes at, for example, Dunkettle or with all the roadworks. There's no excuse for rudeness and aggression, but it's going to happen with all that disruption. It's a point, Maeve. It is, to be fair. Pat. Hi, Peter. How are you, you doing? You, your mother used to take you out on a Sunday as well. Do you know what? No, I was only listening to you. I used to ask you to go with my father. And I used to be blue mother. That's not the best line in the world. Get a bit closer to the phone, Pat. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Better, yeah. yeah. And he used to always say to my mother, he did a kill me, kill a sport, or I'm going to have to back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He's always been out on Saturday nights and it was the summer and I was been praying because remember the Elpis would have to stick them on and yeah. I'd be praying that it'd be raining because I couldn't stick them on. <laughs> so one day my mother said, she never drove, she said, I'll take them out Sunday morning. Yeah. And PJ, the rest is history. What she gave me was confidence. If the car stalled, you wouldn't have a clue, I just have to do it myself. Yeah. You'd learn and fast then, wouldn't you? You would learn very quick. She used to be into, into town and never, no, God, I don't know how we survive one day. We'll go down by St. Alice and you know the town there. I do. My daddy missed the town. We ended up nearly in the river. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the only mistake. And she said, she said, I haven't a clue. If the car stalls, it's up to you. Yeah. And you know, 36 years on PJ, top road. Good never for had you. Never an accident. Do you know what I mean? Good you, for you. I think you should sometimes well, at that time, you could do it. I suppose you can't do it now. But go out with someone that hasn't a clue about driving. That's interesting, actually, Pat. I've never heard that taken it, but thank you. 0818 96, 96, 96 And I do remember it was a Friday afternoon. We were down, we still talk about it. We were down at the finger post roundabout. She wasn't driving long at the time. She knew what she was at, but she didn't have the, the proper skills amassed yet. She had a couple of lessons and this particular Friday afternoon I just picked up her brother and she was driving the car. I said, come on, we'll take us up home and at the finger post, just there by the vets, the finger post was, you know what the finger post like, it's like, lads, it's a zoo. On Christmas day, the finger post is a flipping zoo. You can't get onto it. She was trying to get onto it and between looking for her space to get in and stalling the car while she was trying to move, Eventually, after half a dozen, she says, Dad, no, I can't, I can't. Would you take over? I said, no, I'm absolutely not taking over until you do it. You know what to do. You know how to find your space. You know how to start the car. We're not moving out of here till you do the two together. And there was a queue starting to form. Back now, nearly down to Billy Maxey's. And she said, Dad, will you take over? I said, no, absolutely not. They all had to learn one day. Oh, yeah. It's gone so bad the road now, Just not just for learners, but for the elderly the tailgating, the lane changing. Their time is more important than queuing or being in the correct lane. Also, there's no lull in traffic really anymore. It's busy all the time, even evenings and Sundays. And here's a good one. And yes, if you so much as look crooked as a pedestrian, you are in trouble. A pedestrian can come out in front of you without so much as a where am I going you're always the one in the wrong. Them and cyclists. But what about pedestrian rage? Says this message. Basically, they jaywalk. And they get so angry with the cars, they don't stop. Even though the cars have the right of way. Or another example. You see people literally pushing an older person out of the way into the path of roadworks on McCorton Street. 
and the people who undertake you on the inside and squeeze inside between you and a wall, you think someone's about to mug you. You catch them out the corner of your eye. Some people think it's down to COVID and we're all trying to stay away from each other and lockdown. But I just think people are more aggressive. Yeah, and there's my favourite one and I I knit another one of them this morning. Scooter girls. Like, the road is a one-way street for everyone. Not just for me. There he is this morning. South Terrace. Last time I looked, South Terrace was one way going into town. Here's this gum on a scooter coming down the middle of the road. Wrong way. 0818 96 96 96. Give me strength. Jim has been on from the Douglas School of Motoring to address one or two of the things coming in. I'll get to Jim in a while. Kate says, as a pedestrian, I nearly got blown away by a countryman. Those nice new minis. Oh, they're gorgeous things. Them small little minis. Little small fat cars. I think they're great. Anyway, she said to me, are you all right there? But didn't say sorry at all. She'd gone through a zebra crossing. Mike blames the gridlock in town for the aggression. They knew this would happen. They were told it would happen. It's part of the agenda to make people abandon the car. That's interesting. That A lot of people believe that, you know. A lot of people believe that there is a move on there to get us out of the cars, to force us out of the cars. You can either buy it or not. I, I don't know. I certainly think that they want to reduce the level of parking in town to a point where you'll just say, ah, to hell with it, and get the bus if there is a bus. Well, that's probably for another morning. Jim is from the Douglas School of Motoring. Jim, good morning. Hi, uh, how are you doing, PJ? You well? Good. They're the most important few months of a, of a driver's life, those few months with the L place, and they need to be given time to learn, yeah? Oh, well, correct. I mean, and, you know, in the old days, it was fine. There was less cars on the road. There weren't as fast. There was as many lanes. But no, it's very complicated situations. Busy roundabouts, faster cars. And you have a lot more to deal with. And, um, you know, you have to have patience. It takes some time. And it's a lot of expense at the moment. You know, I mean, people doing lessons are expensive. You have to do so many. You have yeah. to apply for your test. It's all money. And insurance is incredibly expensive. So... It takes a lot longer now to learn how to drive than we did in our day, yeah. you know. Oh, literally, and don't hit the ditch was my father's instructions to me. Like. Oh, well, that's it. That's it. Stay by the wall, mind the buses. That was the way it was going. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I, I definitely think, like, you know, in situations you describe with your daughter and you describe around the boats and stuff. But it's very important for, for young students like that we focus on one, the controls. There's not much point in going onto the road unless you can control the car. It's like using the tools. You know, you're going to be a DJ, you need how to use the machine. Correct. You can't use the machine, it's all over the place. Correct. Nothing's going to work. Yeah. Same as the tech car. You use your tools. You learn how to use the tools in a quiet area. You go to the back and practice. And once you have that, okay, let's go to work. Mm. But so there is an amount of work. real world in it too, Jim, isn't there? That you can bring, oh, you can practice all the skills you want in a car park, but you've got to go out and you've got to have oh, yeah, that yeah. first time on a yeah. roundabout. And you, but that's exactly where it's coming from. Exactly. So that 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 whole point here is like that. You need confidence to go out onto the road, and that confidence comes from knowing I can start this car, I can stop it, I can move off, 
if it's on a hill, I can move off the road rolling back. So you need to engage in those initial uh, confidence and the skills. And then that breeds. If it's red, I'll stop. If the lights are red, I'll stop. Yeah. If they're green, I'll go. If you're at a roundabout, you approach nice and controlled. I, I might need to stop, so you're ready to stop. Right. And if I do stop, I get ready to go. So you go into one, yeah. and then you think and look. And then I'd equi- I'd, I'd compare it to walking across the road. Would you walk here? And if the answer is no, well, don't try. Yeah, yeah. You, you can walk. Go. I used to say to her too, going, going down Sunday as well, I used to say, oh, right, yeah. I used to say, okay, some idiot is going to come up against you Absolutely. in a big Jeep like the hammers of hell. He may uh, never, now he mightn't do it today, yes. but he might He might do it tomorrow. So prepare Correct. for him every time. Exactly. And as I'd always say, expect the most stupid thing to happen. If you can't see around that corner, you there could be a bus coming. Always the worst case scenario. A bin lorry, a tractor. It's still going to be, there's definitely going to come. And if you're at the roundabout, someone not signaling, of course they're going to go across me. I was taught so myself. Signaling, of I, course I, you go the other way. My you dad gave me the basics myself, Jim, but I was taught by, you may know the man, he was a retired RAF pilot and he went into driving instructor later in life. But I remember yeah. sitting in with him, he drove a tiny little local car at the time, and he yeah. says, First thing I'm going to tell you, he said, is pretty much everyone on the road shouldn't be on it. Drive like that and you never go wrong. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> you're expecting everything to go parachute. So if it does, you're not surprised. You're going, yeah. Going there to you go. That, there yeah. you go. Come here. Are you managing to get through the backlog? The wait for the test is wicked these days, Jim. It is. And I just got notice last night from the RSA that the second test center in the same Finbar's Club will be closing on the 3rd of March, which was the overflow. What? So, no, they're just going to be operating from one test centre in Cork, which will be Wilton Test Centre. And how long are people waiting on average now? If I apply to today... about six months, roughly. So, if I apply today... Yeah. No, you need your 12 lessons to have been completed and logged on their website before you can apply. And then from that date? Six months, roughly. Six months. And if you play with it and tune in a bit more often, you might get it a bit sooner, but they will give you a date. It's the same as the NCT. And would you be surprised if the same people organise the NCT as the RSA? It is the same people. And they're so, closing the overflow? Yes. Only in Ireland? In Cork, no. The same Finbars was opened up. I remember years ago when I started, they opened up Little Island and they opened up Black Rock as two extra test centres to get rid of the Black Rock. Now they opened up Toker and that's going to be closing as well. So, so in the middle of an extending backlog... Yes. Closing the overflow. Well, you know, the, like what seems to be happening, and when I see up there in, in Wilton, there seems to be maybe four or five testers in there operating on a daily basis. That test centre is capable of doing a lot more than that, maybe seven to eight or nine. I've seen that happen in previous times. Yeah. And you now there's two in the Bars Club, same Finn Bars Club, that are testing. So, like, there's only five up there, so they could operate one really sweetly rather than operating two sporadically. Sure. But, you know, when you can do it right, why should you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Good man, Jim. Thank you. That's Jim from Douglas School of Motoring, 0818. When you can do it right, why could you? Why should you? Thanks, Jim. Hi, PJ. To say some road users have become more impatient is an understatement. As a young female bus driver, I experience reckless driving and attempted intimidation on a daily basis. Despite having a coachload of young children, 
I've had raging motorists approach the bus demanding that I move on as I'm going too slow for their liking on a narrow country road or demanding that I move out of their way because they feel they've more entitlement to the road than I have in my bus. I passed my test for a full coach licence at 21. And believe me when I say that even in that size of a vehicle, some motorists will continue to bully you when there's an L plate there. My advice to that young lady is ignore them. Never forget that at some stage they had to start out on the road too, but they chose to forget that. I wish her all the best and continued safe driving. Thank you from that young bus driver. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Cork's 96 FM invites you to run the Cork City Marathon Sunday, June 4th. Yeah, Whatever you do it for, be part of this summer's favourite feel-good event. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie for Sunday, June 4th. Do it now. Do it now. With Cork's 96FM. Loads of people wanting to get into this discussion on just how aggressive the roads have become. I'll get back to more of your comments in a while. We've also been getting complaints. I mentioned this just in the last half an hour. What I see, and a lot of people like me, who drive to town for their job see as a war on the motorist. And I can only say that there is a concerted effort out there to make life very uncomfortable for the motorist, particularly the motorist who's trying to do a little bit of business. Like we were contacted by Stacy from Shandon Flowers. She got six fines and she posted about it online. Six parking fines. And Donna, I don't believe this, 14 in two weeks up around Shandon Street. 14 tickets. Morning. Morning, PJ. 14 tickets in two weeks. Yeah, well, that wasn't just on my own car, no, that was between the staff, like. Yeah, yeah. 14, yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely, and I take it you all had discs and stuff up. Yeah, no, that's the thing though. Like, um, I suppose in the last kind of few weeks, there have been more than one traffic wardens around on the area, so you are more aware. Like, you know, to be every two, it's two hours um, on a spot. So um, on that week in particular, like one or two of the girls, uh, or oh, sorry, one of the guys from next door in Labrooks, I just gave a tap on the window because. He had saw the traffic warden at one of the girls' car. So she went out and the disc was out by 20 minutes. Like, And she had like gloves on, you know, just after leaving a client. And he was saying, she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, she was like, I'll change it. No, we're busy in work. And he was like, well, he was like, the time was two hours. And she was like, I understand that. But she was like, you know, I'm working here like part-time. Cut me a bit of slack, like. And no way, like, shoot the, the parking fine up on the on the car, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a disgrace. Like, in a place like that, the regular warden would know the regular cars. But this is the thing, though, like, this this is the thing, though, like, you know, like, I'm here 12 years, and to be fair, we have come across a fair share of um, nice ones, like, you know, nice uh, wardens that would tap on the window and just say, like, you know, girls were around, like, they'd know that the disc is on the car, but just letting, you know, I'm around now, but I might not be around after, so just change the disc, you know, like... Like, he give you the benefit of the doubt, like, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, lately in the last weeks, like, there's just, there's this, uh, like... And have you tried using the it's app? not boycotting Donna. anyone or anything, but there's just one in particular, like, and I, I'm not saying when I say he stood outside the salon, like, across the road a few weeks ago, about three weeks ago, I'd say, 
almost like staring in, looking at you, like knowing, like they know the cars, you know what I mean? Like there's part-time or full-time people here um, and they just go for them. They just go off of them. They just watch Which I see. understand they're doing their job. They're doing their like, job. They've got to watch the cars. And no d- the theory is yeah, you're you know, supposed to like, free up the space for the, the person coming in behind 100%, you. But that, yeah, come 100%. on, you're there to do a bit of work. You're not there to collect And there, the like, it's not that, like, there is a parking facility. There is two parking facilities, like, one in the church up the road. And then there's, like, a, a spot across the road um, in a building area, like, where you pay for the parking. But, you know, like, PJ, I have parting girls working here that come in and work just say three days or whatever. And I think like the one across the road is 160 euros a month and up in the church is 140 euros a month. Now I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you break it down into the daily rate, like that's 10 euros a day from someone's wage. And I understand like it's, you know, it saves them from getting a 40 euro parking fine. But at the end of the day, like it's just, yeah. you know, I just think it's, it's a joke. Yeah. Did they, and and you were at one point where you're running out to try to change discs and stuff when you were pregnant. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I was telling Stacey that she actually put it on social media, and that's when I actually contacted her, going like, "It's actually a joke in the last few weeks." But I remember when I was pregnant, uh, it was Christmas time. Like, I was overdue, just say by four or five days, and uh, like that, no one of the lads next door knocked and said, "Donna, he's at your car." Like, so I went out, and he was like. You know, your disc is up. And I was like, I understand that. I was like, but it's Christmas time. Like, we're up the walls, blah, blah, blah. And in in the end, I actually did have, a bit, not a bit of an attitude, but I was like, they peed off about it. And I was like, look, if it makes you happy, put the disc on the car. I was like, it's fine. Look, like, look the at disc the size of me. Car, I have like, gloves on me. Yeah, what am like, I supposed to do? I was like, we're all in here for, you know, we're all doing our job. We're all trying to do the same thing. I'm trying to keep people in, in a job. Like, you know, and I, I feel guilty when the girl, not that I should or anything like that, but I mean. I feel guilty when they're coming in for a day's work and then they go out and there's a fine on the car for 40 euros. Like last, or two weeks ago, as I said, every single one of us, there were seven of us here, or six of us, we went up and there were six parking fines on each of our cars. And that was like two days solid. You know? So, and I'm not like, it's every business owner on Shannon Street and I was so happy then when Stacey did bring it to light. Um, but like, anyone that I talk to on the street, even staff members, not even just business owners, like everyone is in the same boat. And as I said, I understand they're doing their job, but it's just becoming a little bit of a joke. I I know the idea of it is to kind of ease traffic on on Shandon Street, which can get very jammed up very quickly. But at the same time... And it does. It does. You know, and it's not like we actually kind of park up in Cattle Market Street up around the corner, you know. I know it like or like on the side of um on the side of Shannon Street, you could say by heading up towards Blarney Street, like yeah. but it's just a joke. It's really yeah. And, and you I'm know happy what, that what, it was brought to light by say by another business owner because I actually thought it was just us for a while. Mm. <laughs> it's like why is he picking on us? Why is he taking our cars? You'd also think that there should be, and I I don't know whether there is or not, if there is someone will tell me, there should be some kind of a permit available. No, for but people you see this is for business the owners there is. For business owners there is. Right. You get a permit for the area, but not for the staff. Not yeah. for employees, like I'll say, and it's then like you know, in working in the city is it's not that it's any different, but like there is a park and ride option. You know, there's there's options, but like I there's people from come from Douglas like to work for me that their kids go to school on the north side, and it's just they have to drive. You know what I mean? They do. Like the parking. Sorry, drive, no, but right. some hang on park and ride. Someone coming to work for you up there. The park and ride yeah, stops where don't make Connolly Hall. Like, yeah, come on. Yeah, I know that's what I'm saying. Like in case, like that there for anyone working in the city that there is those options. Yeah. Um, like there's no not that, that not that people look for an option up here like but like yeah. I suppose where you're being met every day by the traffic warden. That's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. All right, all right. You know? Thanks. It's a
it's an occupational hazard. It has been in here too for the God knows how many years we're parking in around here. We've had less, we have less and less parking now than we used to have over the years and the cost of it has, has gone up and up. Um, it happens and I know it's the job of the warden to keep the things supervised and to make sure traffic flows and all of that. But it is a pain in the ass. The app is helpful. The parking app, the council's parking app is helpful. But then they charge you. They still charge you. Do you know when you top up on that app, they charge you a euro to top it up? Whether you're topping up by a fiver or 50 quid, they charge you a euro. Admin, give me a break. And also, when you want a reminder that you're, they charge you. Give me a break here. Right, Bettina is on the WhatsApp. Hi PJ, this is Bettina and I'm listening to you from Germany. I came to Ireland as a student in the 90s and it was a lovely place back then and uh, I found drivers really friendly. Sometimes they even stopped, uh, even the city centre to let me cross the street. And what I'm hearing right now, uh, I find really scary and uh, it it sounds like Germany. And um, sometimes I think Germany is the place where it really started because we've had this problem for ages and ages and uh, it's always, (laughs) it's also Mercedes and Beamers. So it's it's quite terrible really and it's got so bad. Uh, also after Corona, people are so aggressive that uh, although I'm a really good driver, um, I now take public transport because um, it's so peaceful, really, to just take the train or the bus or the tram or whatever, and uh, and you can sit and, and let other people drive you. And uh, um, it's madness out on the streets, really. So, um, yeah, uh, it's sad to hear that uh, the situation is much the same in Ireland. But, um, um, yeah, I just want to say hi, and um, you're not alone in this. Bye. Thank you, Bettina. Bettina, listening to us in Germany this morning. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Pages and pages and screens and screens full of messages. We've, we've touched a nerve with this one. Yes, people do think the roads have gotten very, very aggressive and that there's no patience out there anymore. And it's bothering a lot of people, particularly learner drivers and people who... Before We started this morning talking to Linda, whose daughter is learning to drive, so she can see what happens. She... Her daughter drives into school in the morning with, with mom in the passenger seat and then mom drives the car home and she sees the aggression towards the little car with the L plate on it. And when she is driving her own car, which doesn't have an L plate on it, she, her perception, and perception is someone's reality, her perception is that there's a lot less aggression towards her when she's in her own car. That started 
the conversation and and we talked to one driving instructor about the aggression on the roads and people getting pushed and not getting an opportunity to to learn and if they're in difficulty and and all that Darren you Darren Milan is a driving instructor Darren you say some instructors are having to take down the roof signs good morning Good morning, PJ. Yeah, look, PJ, I've taken down my roof sign on numerous occasions, right? And just have had L plates on my car, right? Mm -hmm. And the difference is fantastic. Look, driving instructors are very busy at the moment, so they don't really need advertising in the first place, right? Yeah. So, look, there's a massive difference between having a roof sign on and a roof sign off because we get two types of drivers. One, we get the people that... Are, are very courteous to other road users, but they don't realise by flashing the lights to leave them go that they're actually putting them under pressure to make the turn. Yeah. And then we get the second one, like we get the tailgaters and we get people blowing the horn. Now, look, a lot of road users are very courteous to learner drivers, but sometimes then you have the other side of it, they can be too courteous. A person is out doing a driving test and they're turning right at a set of traffic lights and they'll start flashing the lights and then what will happen is the learner driver will be slow to take off and by the time the learner driver takes off then the car in front is after pulling off again, you know. I see. I see. There's well, a like, thing on the driving test actually, Darren. I don't want to distract you for a second but there's a thing, if you're on your driving test and you are waiting to turn right and someone does flash their lights at, at you, are you are you meant to tell the instructor or the tester, rather, I'm just taking a courtesy from that driver, or can you just take it? No, you can take it, providing it's safe to do so, but on a driving test, you're not meant to beckon others. So, for example, if I'm driving down the road and there's a vulnerable road user, like an old lady or something, trying to cross the road, it's okay for me to actually stop and allow her to cross the road, but I'm not meant to beckon her. I'll be marked if I beckon her to cross. Interesting, interesting. Whereas, like, if someone's emerging from a junction now, I can stop and leave that person merge, but I'm not supposed to beckon them. I see. Now, my own wife, Dervla, was a driving tester for six years. And she's, after setting up her own business, now she's back doing driving lessons. She was an instructor with us for 10 years. But she's, after setting up a website, xtester.ie. She's an XRSA driving tester, extester.ie. And, like, if anyone's struggling there, there's no better person to go to than an ex-driving examiner, you know? That's very true. That's very true. But come back to the roof sign thing. And, again, somebody will ring in, so I'll ask the question, is it legal for you to operate without your roof sign? Yes. Okay. The only legal requirements, the roof sign is not a legal... The roof sign on a driving school car is only for advertising purposes. Okay. Okay, I see. Now... Would the only legal requirement is that you would have an L front and an L rear. I see. There's driving instructors operating for years without roof signs. And look, a lot of the time as well with the roof sign, now I'm using one at the moment, right? The thing about the roof sign as well is you've no peace when you're off duty in the sense of it's like being a taxi driver on the way to a football match, you fellas jumping out and <laughs> trying to flag you down. And like... Like, generally, when I'm not walking, I take the roof sign down and I stick it into the boot. Why, would that be stopping you for a lesson? I, once or twice you would have it, like, or you would be sitting down there and you'd be having your lunch and you could spend 20 minutes talking to someone. Not that you mind, you know? I know. But, but like, you know, like, and you're, you're, you're never kind of off duty. And, look, you're always... The roof sign is a great thing in a way, but, look, 
Another thing then that I always say to learner drivers, I'd always take down the roof sign for certain lessons when they're getting nearer the test because they don't have the roof sign on the test. Gotcha. They only, they only have a set of L plates on a test and they don't have that big roof sign on the roof. Yeah. And like to be honest, that other lady's daughter, she, she's learning how to drive correctly. Like The EDT system is a great system when people actually go out, like I get a lot of people getting into the car, they think they just have to get 12 stamps and go off and do their test. Mm. Now, it's recommended that a learner driver has a minimum of 120 hours driving practice before they pass the test. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, the way people are doing it sometimes, like driving the car to school, mum driving it back, that's an excellent way. And there are people that always pass their driving test. The vast majority of people that I see failing the driving test do so because of experience and no other reason. Yeah, yeah, or silly little things. And in fairness, most instructors will point out, like that little roundabout that isn't a roundabout but still is outside Cork Builders Providers, is that still on the test? It's on the test, yeah. No, that's that's a devil of a thing. You can it is, but like to be fair, now right, you will get good instruction off the examiner. Yes, and like you will be told three or four times, look. I've given, like, there's red marks being given out there daily, right? But fellas are coming into it in third gear and they're bombing through it, you know? <laughs> and, like, it is a potentially dangerous fall. And look, there's another roundabout down from the test centre that goes out towards Cork Builders Providers. Joe, if you're taking the third exit off I the do, first I do, I roundabout. Do, yeah, yeah, look, yeah. I get five people a week going through the red light there because they're checking their blind spot going over from the right lane to the left <laughs> lane and they don't realise that the light is red and they go, like, that's a very common failure point as well on that roundabout. Come back to where we started with this one, Darren, because I could be asking you questions all day, but come back to where you do sense that Linda's right, that the there is more aggression out there towards there the There is learner. way more aggression. Now, there is, there is a fixed penalty charge notice for it, right? Mm-hmm. It falls under Section 51A of the Road Traffic Act, okay? Section 51A of the Road Traffic Act is driving a vehicle without reasonable consideration for other road users. Mm. Now, that typically involves road rage, splashing pedestrians with water. It, it covers a... That's like what they call on the driving test reaction to hazards. That's kind of a one-size-fits-all mark. It can vary on a number of different things. It's the same with the Section 51A. It's a penalty point offence that carries two penalty points and an 80 euro fine. It's generally used, with, the general term of it would be causing a nuisance mm-hmm. while driving to yeah. other road users. Yeah, yeah. It's a tough world out there. Come back to the what Jim said to me when I go about the delays in, in getting a person tested. In, in your experience, if I'm ready today... If you say I'm ready for my test today, how long will it be before I get a date? Well, I tell you no, PJ, the dates are up in arms at the moment, right? My wife was a driving examiner for six years and she's after being let go three times. And basically, the RSA are hiring, leaving people go, hiring, leaving people go. They're hiring people on six-term contracts of 18 months and they're constantly temporary extending them. Then they're leaving them go. They left go 40 driving examiners recently and now they're hiring 40 more. In the middle of a backlog? In the middle of a backlog. My wife, my wife, was, my wife never walked out of Cork like she was in Mallow, Limerick and Clanmel because she couldn't operate out of Cork because I am. Yeah. And basically, 
she didn't go for the permanency this time she didn't go for the competition but driving testers they're like they're, they're, the RSA are constantly letting them go to avoid making them permanent and then they're rehiring again so like the RSA have created this backlog themselves there's plenty of qualified people like they had 180 driving testers in Ireland up to this recently. Yeah. They left 40 of them go last August. So how long would it take me if I was ready for the test in your estimation, if you were my instructor, if I was ready for the test today, how long would it take me to get tested? Five months at the moment in Cork. That's ridiculous. It's Darren. Be ridiculous. That's absolutely crazy. Darren, thank you very much. 0818-969696. Getting some fantastic calls from instructors. The reality of it out there. He is taking his roof sign off because of the aggression, the level of aggression on the road. Okay, he doesn't need it anyway, but because of the sheer level of the of aggression on the road. This is from Linda's initial call uh, just after nine this morning. I'm sure we'll be able to podcast that and much of this discussion because it's gone completely bananas on us. Mike says it's because of the gridlock in town that the aggression is stepping up. They knew it would happen. They were told it would happen. It's part of making people abandon the motor car. Kevin rides a scooter. He's annoyed by the amount of other scooter riders not abiding by the rules, travelling in twos, etc., etc. He said they're giving law-abiding scooter drivers like him a bad name. Kevin, you're not wrong. I see dozens of you doing it just right, even inside in the cycle lane or tucked into the side of the road. But just when I saw the gum this morning coming down the middle of coming down the, the middle of, of um, South Terrace there, the wrong way between the two lanes like is he, is he looking to get hit is he looking to get knocked down loads and loads and loads and loads uh, yeah people in BMWs don't believe in indicators says Podrick <laughs> I was slagging about that one I was slagging. Uh, morning, PJ. Following on from the caller, the Swiss caller. Yes, I can't remember her name, but she was there before 10. I've been in Naples now for 18 months and driving is crazy. People have no respect for the rules of the road. It seems traffic lights are there to brighten the streets. And there's an unwritten rule that people driving around in a roundabout give away to those driving in. People beep at you for the slightest thing. They're constantly tipping off other cars and just keep driving. Ireland's drivers are a dream compared. Believe me, Fiona. I'm laughing here listening to the traffic about traffic wardens. I was overdue with my baby a few years back. I had an appointment at the GP. My ticket went over by 10 minutes only because I wasn't called in at the correct time. I came waddling out in the heat of July and there he was in a West Cork town, the warden, putting a ticket on my car. He continued to put the ticket on the car as I stood there. To say he got the full force of my pregnant overdue hormones is an understatement, says Alison. The worst driving I've ever seen, says John, is in Santo Domingo, capital of the Dominican Republic. Dear Jesus, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> they have no rules. It's petrifying, says John. PJ, ever driven in Malta? My God, I have actually. My God, it's a nightmare. Yeah. My best experience ever was I was on holidays in Greece... And we were there a couple of days. I was waiting to pick the car up. So say we arrived on Saturday. I was picking the car up on Wednesday, Thursday, doing a bit of touring. And there was a lad 
in the bar in the hotel we were staying. An English lad, just working there for the summer. Matthew was his name, and I went in for a pint one night, and I said, Matthew, I'm picking up the car in the morning. He said, may the, may the Lord have mercy on your soul, pal. And I said, oh, really? I said, any any advice for me, you know? Because he drove the little van for the whole, Any advice? He said, yeah, he said, drive in the shade, because they do. <laughs> and he wasn't wrong. 0818-969696. Daniel, you'll be up next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. No name on this one, but it says, I'd like to talk about the way Passage West and Monkstown need a traffic warden. The cars are parked all over the place. They're on top of each other, up on footpaths, on yellow lines, on bends. I've seen people having to walk around cars because they can't get down onto a footpath, especially if you have a buggy. Isn't it an offence to block a road? There's a car parked to the left of most of these cars not being used. The ferry crossing is another issue. The line of cars there in the evening is a joke. They block up the whole place. It's an accident waiting to happen. What do other people think? The, the ferry? But isn't there a big car park to wait for the ferry with three or four big lanes in it? Are you saying they come out onto the road, up onto the main road outside it? Crikey, that's one busy, busy ferry. Daniel, they want a traffic warden down in Passage and Monkstown. Should they be careful what they wish for? Good morning. No, I'm Peter. How's things? I'm all right. You... No, I've known no, no us there in the past few... I live in town myself, and... We're not in town, I would say town, but I go to town on a regular basis. Yeah. And I was basically coming down on Ogden Plumpy Street the other morning, and I'm sure I was morning last night, time-wise, I'm not sure, but there was a DHL van up on the... Um, the there was a little patch in, in Ogden Plumpy Street, but after the parking space, the little islands, you know, just yeah. go on to the footpath, there was a pole there. Yeah. He was up on top of that. He wanted to block it anyway, for left because there was cars passing me down and stuff. But I was, um, there was a parking ticket up on top of the, the windscreen and the parking warm was there. And I walked past, I was after walking past the DHL driver and he had his trolley, you know, the way they, they have his trolley for all the gear. He was in mid-delivery, like. The boxes and stuff. Mid-delivery, yeah. And I came up to the, bar, uh, the van, I goes to the, to the traffic warden. I said, ah, come on, and I give him a break. I said, he's, I said, man's on his walk legs. And you're finding him in the whole lot. He never made any comments to me or anything like that, you know. Um, yeah, basically they are they're giving people tickets to like a lot of poetry, basically, you know. And I know it's another time, it's only painter, he was passed up in the past by the salt man in the salt man there, Grand Prairie area, right in the corner, there was a big footpath. She was I know he shouldn't be on the footpath. He was old away potentially and I'd say he was gonna pass his gear over or so mid big job again obviously, you know, and a ticket up and he was just putting it on and I rang him the number was on the side of the van. I rang him to say, come down, look, you'll get a ticket there in the van. No, I walked away from that scene, I didn't see anything in the afterwards or anything like that, so... Yeah. No, I understand that there are... Yeah, catching a fella... No, you're right. Catching a fella in, in mid-delivery and, and ticketing his DHL van, that's that's unfair. They'll tell you there's a reason for it. They'll tell you it's the law. They'll tell you he shouldn't be here, he shouldn't be there, but it's still unfair to be ticketing a fella in the course of his in the course of his job. Thank you, Daniel. 0818 96 96 96. Complete turn and change of subject. For a while, happy to come back to this, if you wish. And I can tell you there's plenty more stuff, correspondence, 
to be to be cleared. But this is Eating Disorder Awareness Week, and we talk frequently on the opinion line about the subject of eating disorders. And Senator Annie Hoey has issued a strong statement calling for a debate and calling for a discussion and calling for action against what you describe, Annie, as harmful diet content on social media. We all know what it is. Can you really stop it, though? Morning. Morning. Thanks so much for having me on. What kind of content are you talking about? There's lots of it there. Yeah, I mean, the first thing to say is that social media companies already have systems in place for flagging the this content. You know, there's you know hashtags and stuff that people use, and they already have ways of filtering this out. So this, we're just asking them to take another step, which is the you know the way when anyone posts the word vaccine or injection or COVID, that little piece of information comes up at the bottom and says, for more information on COVID nineteen, visit and you know whatever country it is, it takes them to a trusted source. We'd like to see that in relation to diet culture, eating disorders, that little, that kind of intervention piece. So it's not just that they hide certain content or that, you know, other content from influencers or whatever kind of goes on free for all, but that there's a, an intervention point that if someone sees th- this, this particular piece of information or this conversation, they can just get some more information. Um, and I think that would be really helpful. Like literally when I posted a video about this yesterday and I mentioned COVID vaccines, a little piece of information came up at the bottom of the video saying, for more information on COVID, please click on X. Yeah. And we would love to see that in relation to eating disorders and diet culture and stuff like that. I just think it would be such a helpful intervention, particularly when you're thinking about you know, how much time people spend online, how much we absorb from social media, consciously, subconsciously. I think it would be a really positive step. If you just take, say, Instagram and TikTok, both of them are full of content. Everything from personal trainers to mm-hmm. advertising diet apps to so-called lifestyle Gurus. Now, for example, there's one particular, I won't name the chap, but one particular personal trainer that I follow on Instagram. I follow him because he's very funny. Okay. Um, but because I follow this guy, I get a hundred ads from other stuff. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. a problem too. If I was a person who took this stuff seriously that I get in advertising, I, I'd be gone mad. Yeah, yeah. You really kind of have to have your wits about you, don't you, on these things. Like you click on one thing and then suddenly, you know, you're you're bombarded with things. I think I looked at something at Tells once and now I can't get Tells off my timeline. I don't need any more Tells. Um, but that's very pervasive and invasive if it's something, you know, as you're talking about, gym, diet culture, buy this tea so that you'll be skinny, these kind of things. You know, those that subliminal stuff can be can be very damaging. So, so, so actually going into advertising stuff is, is an even further conversation that I'd like for us to have and, and the management of that around social media companies and what ads people see in relation to, you know, as I said, this diet culture, influencers and stuff like that. But as I said, even just the baseline of putting a, a intervention piece, if you will, at the bottom of those videos, I think could be really, really helpful. I think if it's something like 66% of consumers who follow influencers purchase a product as a result of an influencer mentioning it. So, I mean, you have to think about then the impact that would have in relation to diets, restricting food, taking up certain exercises. So I think social media giants just need to do a little bit more in tackling this. The the Leinster House bell is going to annoy us for the the couple of minutes that it's there, Annie. But I think the advertising, you said it's a conversation worth having. I think the way social media advertising works, is there anything we can do about that? In that if I look at a video for the sheer fact that I'm interested in it or I find the presenter funny or I'm doing it to research something for my show 
I'm bombarded with advertising. It's almost as if my social media is listening to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I knew how the algorithm worked, I feel like I'd be a much more wealthy woman. Um, and I would, you know, if you, if you knew how to, to game this system. And like that's a, social media companies are designed, they are a for profit. Ultimately, we have to remember that they're not a neutral public space that anyone can, you know, they are for profit and their, their monetization is running these ads to us. Um, I think there, that is a really big conversation that needs to happen. We obviously have the online safety media regulation bill, which I think will have an impact on certain ads, you know, around what children can see, age limits and stuff like that. But I mean, we still are, and I, this is an overused phrase, you know, the wild west of social media, we don't know what's happening. But I think there still is an awful lot more that we need to understand as legislators and as consumers in social media as to how they are using us. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plushcare plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wagovi and zep pound for those who qualify plus they accept most insurance plans To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. In order to monetize a product, and very often those products end up being, you know, the diet pieces, or you look at something and suddenly you get towels until the end of days. Um, You know, I think there is another piece of work that needs to be done around that literacy on it and understanding that when we go in to use a product, it's not a free product. You know, we're posting things on, but there is a transaction. And I'm not sure how fully aware we all still are of how that transaction works. Because as you said, things just kind of appear in your timeline. It's almost very hard to tell, I think, now on certain social media what is being recommended uh, because it's an ad, you know. You know, they say there's all the sponsored by or whatever that yeah, I have to put on. If I, yeah, if I run happen. an ad, it's very clear that I run it. But I still find things are appearing in my timeline in relation to other things, um, not political. But you know, mm. on, on the week that's in it, Annie, we have still a chronic shortage. In fact, a disgraceful shortage yeah. of treatment beds for people with eating mm-hmm. disorders. Mm-hmm. It's so shameful. So How many so in the shameful. country? Now, government will debate this, but as far as we understand, there's officially three beds in St. Vincent's. And then anyone else, those are the specialist public inpatient beds for eating disorders. They're in St. Vincent's University Hospital, but they're only therefore available to that specific HSE catchment area. So that means people in the rest of the country 
have to be admitted for general or psychiatric beds, or they have to go to the UK. And the, you know, uh, we have a, you know, effectively a deal with the UK where people can be sent over there, or else they have to go privately. You know, and it is, it is eye-wateringly expensive to get a bed mm-hmm. in a private healthcare clinic. And, and I have parents who are talking to me whose hearts, oh my goodness, my, my, my heart is broken. And their hearts are broken. And it's you know, very often for their child. Mm-hmm. And they cannot get the help that they need for their child. Um, and they're like, we're, gonna, you know, we're taking out loans, we're doing this, and we're trying to get them into a private place because we are afraid for them. And, and, and you know, they, they recognise that they need care. It's not just, you know, temporarily going into a bed, being, you know, assessed and then sent back out again. They recognise that, that their, their child needs a longer term care. They need time to heal. You know, and that's something when we think of our hectic, busy healthcare system, you know, a space for someone to heal is not embedded, I think, within when we only have three specialist public inpatient no, beds. So we, we really think that it's, it's just, if I, if I could, I couldn't, I can't portray enough on this conversation, the heartbreak of those parents that I've spoken to. I've spoken to some of them. I spoke last week, last year, you may have come across her as well, uh, Annie, to a very, very impressive young woman, Dr. Lisa Murphy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. her fight to get into a, a private bed, she had to go fund me for it. Now, I met her again at Christmas time, and she is in great health and great shape. We were chatting about it. But she said if it wasn't for that, being able to raise the money, she doesn't even think we'd have met again. That, and like people go fund, you know, doing GoFundMe's or, you know, running races in order to fund healthcare that we should have, that people should be able to access. You know, I just don't understand when we have government going out being like GDP this, economy that, rainy day fund the other, all great and valuable. But what does that mean if people can't get the care that they need? If we have people who, who have illnesses, who are doing a GoFundMe and are saying, I simply will not be alive if I cannot get a bed in this private facility. That's a poor indictment of where we're at. All right, thank you. Leave it there. Senator Annie Howey of the Labour Party. 0818 96 96 96. This is Eating Disorders Week. Uh, she wants a clamp down on harmful diet content. Yeah, there are one or two people that should follow on social. Uh, I must get the proper name of the guy because I find him very funny. He's a personal trainer and he actually busts a lot of myths about dieting and eating and calories and sugar and all of this. And he's actually hilariously funny. He's quite rude sometimes. But in watching him, his name is Barry, in watching him, every time I watch one of his videos, I then get bombarded with crap from people trying to sell me this lifestyle app and this dieting revolution, or as Annie said, this T-shirt that shrinks your waist. Do they think we're simple or something? Actually, they do. PJ, the fact is this. New drivers are not taught to drive. They're taught to pass a test. 12 lessons driving two dedicated routes used for the tests. Parents are then encouraged to sit in and help out driving the same two routes. Yeah, you're not wrong. When my daughter was getting those actual lessons, uh, going out on the routes and learning the skills of driving the car, she was told, get someone to go out with you at the weekends or in the evenings. And that's what we did. You, you, you're right. They learn the, the way to pass the test and they learn the skills of driving a car when they're on those official lessons. 
But there was a time when there was no official lessons and you sat in with, with dad or mom or granny or Uncle Tom and there was murder in the car and the stress levels were through the roof. So the new way has got to be better. 0818969696. Kevin has gotten on to us about road rage. Quite a lengthy voice message from Kevin, which we'll hear next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM We all love Irish music and the artists that make it. Cork's 96 FM is proud to support Irish Music Month throughout March by promoting the amazing work of Irish artists. Across the country, independent radio with Hot Press is spotlighting Irish music and paying Irish artists over €100,000 to play and perform for us. We're committed to promoting Irish music. Are you? Irish Music Month, proudly supported by Hot Press, IBI and the BAI Sound and Vision Fund. On Cork's 96 FM. One of the ways you can join our conversation anytime is through WhatsApp voice message 083 396 96 96. Normally the last about a minute. Kevin's one is lasting a couple of minutes and the topic of the conversation that started this morning at five past nine was aggression on the roads. Linda called us to say that her daughter is currently learning to drive so she gets to see it. So she and her daughter, the daughter drives to school in the morning and then Linda drives the car home with the L plate on it and she feels that when she's driving the car with the L plate versus when she's driving her own car that has no L plate on it there's a different level of aggression from drivers on the road that started a conversation that is still going on nearly two hours later Kevin has been on the voice notes I'm just letting you all know the speed limits are an absolute joke and it's a nightmare like people who are out there on the roads driving 80 kilometres in a 100 kilometre zone will drive the rest of the traffic insane people are after a long day they want to get home and people are restricted by the speed they can get there at and then on top of that what in the name of God difference is driving 100 or 120 on a 100 kilometre road like, if it's a 100-kilometre road and you hit something, I don't think it's going to make a damn ounce of difference if you're going to hit it at 100 or 120, you know? So I'm like, why like, like, why are you getting tickets for going five and six kilometres over the limit? It is not that dangerous, like, you know? And this is what stresses people out. People are under pressure. They're after working a long, stressful day. They're getting no money for all the hard work they do. They're paying all the money they have on overpriced petrol, diesel, rent, and everything else. The government is sitting pretty up on top of their high, on their high horses and laughing down on top of us, taking all our money. And, and, and then all we want to do is get home. You know? How about get on to the government and tell them change the damn speed limits? Uh, you know what I mean? Tell them stop charging people ridiculous charging fees for for parking up for two minutes in a, in, a, in, a, in a one yellow line or two yellow line or whatever. You know, these stupid little laws. I know you don't want the chaotic out there either. Like, you know, there has to be some law and order, but I just think that the way they're doing it is far, far, far too strict. Another thing that drives us mad as well is the city being overrun by taxis. Every car park spot is a taxi spot. Like, is that not the most ridiculous thing in the world? Like, a whole taxi, a whole city giving up to taxis. Like, I, I just think that's insane. I think it's insane that, like, you can't just pull into a shop for two minutes because it's a taxi spot, you know? Like, 
why couldn't they have a car park for taxis and a little and a, and a, a little button there at, at certain intervals and you press the button and the taxi gets a little notification showing where he's next in the, in the queue and there's a person looking for a taxi here so he drives away down to that spot didn't wait for the person you know like I just I don't know I just think that people aren't meant to be you know parking half a kilometre away or, or you know it's all forced to pay money all forced to pay money in these underground car parks and everything else yet you have to still walk half an hour with all your shopping in hand back to the car to unload it and back out to the shops and back in and back out and then by the time you come out it's another 20 quid in on your on your on your parking it's either 20 quid on parking or 60 quid is a fine if you get caught you know i don't know it's just it's just the most stressful thing in the world Whew. and breathe <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. There's a lot in that. We could start unpacking it, but but you've heard it. Anything to say about what Kevin Kevin's um, contribution this morning? Kevin, I think, needs a cup of sweet milky tea and a custard cream. But thank you. Thank you. 0818969696. Right, to a different form of transport to air travel and Cork Airport announced yesterday that Emerald Airlines who now run Aer Lingus Regional it used to be Stobart now it's Aer Lingus Regional run by Emerald Airlines they are to start flying six times a week from Cork to Bristol from the 26th of April there was a Cork-Bristol route previously but it closed and now it will be back Aer Lingus Regional, six days a week, Cork to Bristol. Jen, you're listening to us in Bristol, and you are a happy bunny. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, yeah, absolute mm. music to my, my ears, definitely, PJ. Um, absolutely thrilled. I know now it, it, it seems like a, a little bit of a first world problem, not being able to kind of, you know, travel directly home from Bristol to Cork, but the last couple of years have, have been hard. We yeah. have been hard just not being able to travel directly. How long have you been over there? Um, I moved to Bristol uh, roughly about four and a half years ago. Um, off the back of, um, I have I have family that moved here kind of in the mid forties. A grand uncle and a grand aunt came over from Cork City, and I just have extended family over here. And I just came over and visited a, a couple of my cousins um, two years ago, and I loved it. So I just decided to make the move. Before the pandemic, I think I would have been home every four to six weeks, just with the amount of kind of family things that would have been going on. I, like because I wound down my wedding business in Cork, I would still have a couple of um, odd jobs to kind of finish off. Okay. And my 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 nephew or my nephew's confirmation or my communion at the time. So I I was back in a fair bit. So but when the when the Sobard air flight um, obviously stopped, obviously all flights stopped during COVID. But when it never came back. It just made it kind of physically impossible to get home, really, especially during the pandemic. To get home to Cork for a weekend now, I think you have to, to go to Dublin at the moment, do you? Your options are basically to travel from Bristol to Dublin and get the bus down. You're at the mercy of the bus times. You're at the mercy of the flight times there as well. And then your other option is to travel to London and, and fly through Heathrow or maybe get up to Birmingham um, and fly Birmingham directly to Cork. But again, the flight times, the, the, the train travel and the bus travel is, is the nightmare basically yeah. there. There's time and expense involved. How long is the flight then to Cork by comparison? 
Um, so the flight to Cork has always been roughly about an hour and an hour and ten, an hour right. and twenty minutes. Right. But I live, I, I live in South Bristol, so I'm very close to the airport. So before COVID, you could literally just hop and skip up to the airport. You know, about an hour before the flight. Yeah. get on the flight and be home door to door within about two and a half, three hours, you know. Handy. Whereas I've, I've had to take annual leave either side if I'm travelling kind of via Dublin. I've only ever been to Bristol two or three times and one of those was literally stopping for lunch. So I know little or nothing about the city. Should I be tempted to travel for a weekend? Yeah, I, I say this to all of my friends actually and I think since I moved over and they've kind of seen it from my social media, the scene that's over here, it's probably one of the most underrated cities in, in the UK. Right. Um, like obviously, I mean, when I lived, obviously when I lived at home, we've always travelled to places like Manchester, Liverpool, you know, for hens, things like that for weekends away. But, you know, it never really would have been uh, an option, like an option. And people have said to me that, that, that it looks absolutely great. And it is. It's a, it's a, it's a very traversal city. So you can walk around it. The harbour's lovely. It's actually kind of what I envisage Cork to be in a couple of years' time if they could get the buzz back in and around the city centre. Okay. Um, Good pubs. Um, so great pubs. Absolutely great. In fact, actually, <laughs> I live so close to Ashton Gate uh, Stadium. Last night, I just went down for luck because Man City were playing uh, Bristol City and I managed to bump into Roy Keane and get a photo with him as well. So... Just last night? <laughs> yeah, just last night. Yeah, just after the match, I popped down. I waited outside the media van and I got a photo with him. So Cool. It was, you know, yeah, absolutely, absolutely random. But have I you have shared say, that yet? Yeah, it's on my socials. Yeah, I popped it up on my social last night when I came home. Dead cool. I was thrilled. I was delighted. I was like, apparently Noel Gallagher was actually driving past me in a car and I was like, <laughs> no, I'm waiting on Park Royalty. I couldn't. Was Roy surprised to see uh, a fellow Corkonian in Bristol? He was his usual stoic self when he was taking photos, but uh, they, he was quite, he was behind kind of um, metal bars. But I was like, I'm not taking a photo with him behind metal bars. So he kind of came out. He came out behind the metal bars for me. Everybody else had to, had to deal with him from behind metal bars. I was like, we, he couldn't do that for a Cork woman. Now. No, we, we Corkonians <laughs> must stick together. The, the one That's of the other times I was in Bristol, it's very central for a rugby fan too to get to Cardiff. It's it's what it's a short yeah. train ride. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're if you're travelling from Bristol to Cardiff, it literally takes under an hour. Yeah. Um, and like I, I again, I'm on that side of Bristol, which is so close to so close to the Cardiff link. So I I go to Wales and off that. If I want cool. to a beach, actually, that reminds me of home. I'll travel to I'll travel to Wales because it, it really has the scenery that what, would what, remind me. What, what beach would you go that. to? I go down the Gower, which is actually I I go beyond I go beyond Cardiff and down to Swansea. My friends that are kind of from outside Swansea, kind of up towards the valleys, which I'm from Glanmire, so it actually kind of reminds me of home as well. So uh, it's, it's mad. But this is the thing you see. Like, this is what I wanted to kind of make a point of. The great thing about having this flight back and, and having Bristol as a destination is that it, it, this flight doesn't just service Bristol. It's now servicing. It's back to servicing South Wales, the Southwest, Exeter. You know, I I have, I, I met people from Cork that that are visiting family in Yeovil um, a few a few times. So. It's just great to have it back, and it's actually—it's. I have to say, compared to the old flight, this flight time is absolutely—it's spot on. Like I, I can, I, my boss is very flexible, so she knows that if I want to go home for weekends, I can work extra hours during the week and take a few hours off on the Friday evening and, and just hop and skip home. It's, handy, it's, it's handy. An absolute treat. So Something tells me you're already booking friends, tickets, eh? Oh. Uh, so, <laughs> a friend of mine is coming over to. We're going to see a, um, a DJ in, in Cardiff. 
in June. She booked tickets yesterday to fly from Cork as opposed to flying from Dublin, which was great. And I actually, I booked a ticket home on the inaugural flight, so I'm on the first flight home from Bristol to Cork because it's my niece's first birthday that weekend. Jen, enjoy and great to talk I to will. you. Take care. Thanks very much, PJ. That's Jen. Thanks, Jen. In Bristol, Cork to Bristol, six days a week from uh, the 26th of April. That'd be very tempted. She sells the city very, very well. And she met Roy. And Roy came out from behind the fence to take a photograph with her. As you would like. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Yeah, Kevin's <clears throat> rather ranty voice note. I just want to say that man made my day. He hit all the points. Sid says Kevin needs to take a chill pill. People like him are a risk to others. Uh, driving at 120 versus 180 is way safer. Get a life. We're all in the same boat as well with the high cost of living. N. Ed said it's the rant of the week, but he will want to take a chill pill. The speed is a limit, not a target. I just heard that long voice note. I thought it was a joke or perhaps a very clever ad for Road Safety Ireland. These fellas haven't a clue about the regulations and why we have them. Driving 20 kilometres an hour faster will result in more death and injury. Look it up on YouTube. What's more stressful is having a fast car driving 10 inches from your rear bumper when you're driving at the speed limit. Also, with his talk about parking on yellow lines, please think of the people in wheelchairs, says Jack in West Cork. And speaking of wheelchairs, we got an email or a letter, actually. We don't get too many of them, a handwritten letter. Thank you for it. From Mary O'Sullivan, who says, PJ, as everyone knows, there's a lack of disabled spaces and a misuse of them, too. I went shopping last weekend to Tesco in Wilton. As you drive in from the click and collect side, there are new big washing machines that have been put in, but they're right on the footpath behind the disabled spaces. Those spaces were taken up last Saturday and Sunday by people sitting in their cars, waiting for their washing. Not one of them had a disabled badge. This meant that myself and other disabled people couldn't park. I rang the shopping centre and I was told they didn't want the machines going in behind the disabled spaces, but Tesco, who owned the car park, didn't listen. I rang Tesco's head office and was told to contact the manager in Wilton. I've tried that many times, but getting no answer. Who thought it was okay to put those machines on the path right behind the disabled spaces? It makes no sense. Even people pulling up to drop off their clothes are going to stop and block the spaces. And that came in by a handwritten letter, thank you for it, from Mary O'Sullivan. I've seen those washing machines. I was in Tesco in Wilton on Friday, went out for a wander before I went down to collect the umfula and hadn't been out there in a while. I like that shopping centre actually, but yeah, I could see it. I didn't notice the disabled spaces in front of them. But there they are, those big washing machines. They're a godsend, actually, for things like duvets and a big double duvet. You'll burst your washing machine trying to stick a big double duvet into it, but you bring it down to one of those things, and it's fine. But you take Mary's point. Now people are coming and waiting for their duvet to wash and dry, and they're sitting in the disabled parking spaces, and they don't have a disc. Thank you, Mary. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM.
Dermot Kennedy, live in Las Vegas. Corks 96 FM. No way. Yes way. Hello, Paul Collegey. <laughs> I'm absolutely buzzing. Oh my god. I can't believe it. Congratulations. Have a brilliant time in Vegas. Lads, I'm absolutely delicious. Thank you very much. A massive congratulations to our winner. Now stay listening for more great ways to win. Thank you for supporting this music. Only on Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. There seems to be something up with the Twitter machine around the world. Not everybody's affected by it, but it would seem to be slowing down or getting trouble for a lot of people. Just reports coming in. And something else, and I don't know whether it's today or it's a thing in general. Has anybody noticed, is the Vodafone 4G stroke 5G, although I can't find any 5G spots near here. The Vodafone 5G and 4G in the city at the moment is absolute rubbish. Like rubbish. And I got the new <clears throat> we changed our broadband provider at home in Coogan Towers to see could we save a few quid and you'd be amazed the savings that are out there. Now getting it in is never as easy as it sounds on the telephone. But that's a by the by. That's a by the by. I got the new the Vodafone uh, broadband in, the Vodafone Wi-Fi in came yesterday. It's brilliant. It's as fast as, as a Learjet. It's absolutely dynamite. But the 4G in town this morning is brutally bad. I can't even find the 5G. I know Twitter's given trouble. My wife sometimes thinks we should all go back to pen and paper and there are times when I can't blame her for thinking that. 0818 96 96 96. We've had such a busy morning and so much left undone at this stage. We will come back to a topic that got a big response yesterday, much bigger than we expected. That's vestibular migraine. We've had a lot of development on that, including, I think, therapy, um, a physiotherapy and an appointment for therapy from for the family who wrote to us. So that's... I promise we'll deal with that before quitting time today. Also going to talk about returning to the subject of grief in just a second. Uh, we were talking on Monday to Anam Kara about their podcast and to Jackie who has done a whole masters in the accepting that grief is a life skill and and how we need to all learn how to deal with the grief that would inevitably come upon us in fact I will go there now I'll hold on to Claire's road rage voice message just for a little while because I will go and talk about grief this dominated our show Monday morning the middle hour of our show it's all available on podcast as well if you want it we're talking to Jackie about grief as a life skill and then we spoke to Anamkara about their podcast conversations in grief and it got quite a significant response from listeners many of whom felt look this is an uncomfortable conversation but it's one that needs to be had because very few of us learn how to deal with grief until we absolutely have to. Julie, you were one of the people who contacted us during that show. Uh, you were eight-year-old lad. 
you've you've begun to teach him about grief. Morning to you. Morning, PJ. Yeah, um, that was a really good um, discussion on Monday and it did prompt me to text in and I suppose, yeah, I've had the conversation about grief with Connor. Um, you know, just as, as the opportunity arises, we lost our first family pet there um, before Christmas last year. And, you know, you can talk about grief um, and the finality of death, I suppose, using those experiences that children can, can understand. Yeah. This was a much loved, what, 12 year old dog? Yeah. Yeah, oh goodness. Yeah, she was our first pet. And yeah, it was really traumatic, you know, just a couple of days before Christmas when she passed. And, you know, our, our little boy, Connor, um, is eight and he was really, you know, he grew up with her yes. um, and is very, very attached. And She's been ever present questions. for his entire life. Yeah. Yeah, and where does she go? And, you know, um, can she come back? And I miss her. And even now, you know, over 12 months later, she will still crop up in conversation, um, you know, that he misses her. Um, he's had the conversation about, you know, her soul. Um, can she come back as another dog? You know, all these yeah, kind of little yeah. conversations. And what, how do you answer those questions, Julie? Just um, in a way that suits an eight-year-old head like yeah, I would, you know, he would take things quite literal when you say things. So just in relation to like being very careful, like death is final. Um, you know, I suppose we did talk that she kind of went to doggy heaven because he would use the language of heaven in school and things like that as well. Um, and then trying to explain that you can't come back. So my own grandmother would have passed um, a few years ago as well. And he understands that, you know, we haven't seen her since she passed. So he would refer to her as his old nana. Yeah. And he knows that when she died, she didn't come back either. And, you know, yes, it's okay to be sad. And yes, it's okay to miss them. Um, no, they can't come back, you know. Um, and I think they must have had a conversation in school one day about souls. So maybe in November, you know, for All Souls Day. And he was coming home, he was asking, well, what's a soul? And I was like, crikey. So I had to say, you know, um, it's like the wind. It's there, you know, but you can't see it. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just in my head, oh, my God, I hope I'm doing this right for him. But, you know, he accepts it, PJ. And I think it's just to take the opportunity to talk about grief, yeah. you know, when it arises. Yeah. It's funny, words are strange, aren't they, Julie? Like soul, you hear about it. Yeah. All your life. Yeah. But you as a parent, when your child asks you, well, what's a soul? You haven't a flipping clue. Do you know? No, or, no. Or, and it's so or, hard or the, to, for The other expression regarding death, like, particularly you hear about an accident, you read it on the news, someone lost their life as if it was like losing your wallet. Like, it's very hard to yeah. explain these words to a small child. Yeah, I lost my voice last week, which is why I'm a little bit croaky today. Okay. And uh, like that, he told me, um, you know, to go back into work to find it, you know. <laughs> you lost it, where is it? <laughs> so you you do have to be a little bit careful when, when kids take things yeah. literally. But do you think it's important that just at just eight, he's learning that skill of acceptance? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, death is inevitable. You know, it's going to come into his life. Um, you know, and I think... He, if you can have the conversations when the opportunity presents, like with the family pet, then, you know, at least you're, you're creating a little bit of understanding. Um, and I think it's important. Yeah, I know. I'd be, 
I've been in an awful state if either of, if any of my pets headed for the Rainbow Bridge. I, I'd probably need mm. need the arm around me, maybe even more than the children would. But yes, it's a, it's a way to learn. Something else you wanted to mention, Julie. Uh, this is to do with Connor as well, because yesterday was International Rare Disease Day, and I think we all, if we think hard yeah. enough, know someone who comes into that that category. Uh, Connor's got a strange one. Yeah, so I suppose, you know, linking it in with grief, you know, while, um, you know, thank goodness he, he's, he's not, um, you know, a, a terminally ill child living with, with a rare condition. But I'd be very conscious that so many children in, in our community, you know, grief will come to them a lot quicker and sooner than what it should do. Mm. Um so yesterday was um, raising awareness, I suppose, for rare um, disease day. And yeah, there were over 300,000 people in Ireland living with a rare disease. Mm. Um, and 70% of those, you know, would be children and young adults. Um, so it is more common than what people would, I suppose, um, appreciate. And, you know, each individual disease might be rare, um, our own particular one, it's called 22Q11 deletion syndrome. Um, you know, even my own doctor hadn't heard of it when I said it to him when we eventually got our diagnosis. Um, but within all of the different rare diseases, you know, there's a huge commonality within the community. And I suppose, you know, we battle the same fight. Um, a lot of the times we interact with the same hospitals, the same consultants, with the same issues, you know, around speech language, OT, physio, you know, all of that kind of stuff, schooling. Um, so there's a lot of common issues within the rare community. So yesterday was a great opportunity for us to get together um, and just, you know, get, get a little bit of support. Might I ask, uh, if it's not a rude question, how does 22Q11 deletion affect Connor? Um, yeah, so for Connor particularly, it's he's um, his speech and language would be de- delayed. He'd have issues with his gross and fine motor skills. Um, school would be, you know, harder for him. Um, but I suppose, you know, luckily, um, we don't have a lot of that, the heart issues that would be common within mm. the community. Um, you know, people are living with heart issues, endocrine issues, scoliosis would be a big one as well. Mm. Um, so, How is you know, he physically, kind of, Julie? Is he okay? Yeah, physically he's okay. I mean, I suppose so many of us in the in the rare community just take a long day to day. Um, you know, and we, you know, we have the hospital appointments. They're just water off ducks back. You know, mm. um, we'd be linked in with multiple hospitals. Connor would be seen in CUH, um, St Infirmary, Crumlin. You know, so it's it's busy. Um, having a rare um family member. But, you know, you wouldn't have it any other way either, PJ. That's true. They're fantastic, yeah. That's true. Yeah, I didn't realise the number was that high. It's 300,000 people in Ireland. Yes, yesterday was uh, a global... um, It was, and and, um, I suppose where Ireland in particular is is a new enough um, charity set up to support the community. Like, they would support over 1,700 families at the moment on their books, Um, you know, which is huge, and it's growing every day. And I suppose I met up with some of the parents yesterday, and it's not just moms, I must say, it's parents. You know, my own husband Mm -hmm. would have come along as well, and the dads are very often probably underrepresented in terms of support. But um, Dads deal with it differently, I think, don't they? 
They do. They do. I think they do. Yeah. Um, but it is nice to get together. And, you know, there was a coffee morning yesterday and so many of us, it was our first coffee morning. Um, so it, it's good to, I suppose, see the new members coming in all the time, um, you know, finding that, that support. Because it is very lonely, PJ, when you get your diagnosis. It can be very, very scary. Um, you know, I was on my own when Connor was diagnosed in, in the hospital and I had to come home and I had to tell Jonathan what this diagnosis was. And, you know, we got a very poor, negatively framed handout, which is all the hospital could give us. Um, and, you know, you you do what they tell you not to do. You did, Google did it. you have that moment, Julie, where you went, well, what the hell do we do now? Oh, God, yeah, yeah. I'll never forget the day, PJ. Um, 23rd of February, 2021, driving home from Cork, haven't got that diagnosis. It was absolutely horrendous. Um, and you come home and it, it's, you know, we weren't signposted um, because it's a rare condition. You know, the medics themselves often grapple with, with this. So, I mean, I came home from the hospital that night and I had to research it. And it was, you know, through my own research, I found, you know, um like Rare Ireland, I found that the, the support network, I found a, a clinic in Crumlin yeah. that deal with, with these children. So, you know, I, I had to get referred to that myself. Um, the, the diagnosing consultant wasn't aware of it. So it's 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 a very complex um, area. I heard a lovely story from a, a parent a number of years ago who got in a diagnosis something like that now from from a wonderful wonderful paediatrician a magnificent man called Tony Ryan um, who was in the mm. CUH for years and um, it, the the dad said well, well what do we do now Dr. Ryan and he said I don't know I gotta look it up myself first can you come back next week yes, and he literally yeah. was that honest he said I have to look this up myself yeah I think when I said it to my own GP he was his words were um that's a new one for me. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they, they got a the treatment ladies, plan yeah. and everything was great afterwards. But even yeah. when, when the greats are confused by something, and as a parent, you're driving home going, my doctor doesn't even know what to do. You yeah, know? yeah, it is. Um, and I suppose, you know, some of the, li- like I, I remember the literature that we were given was it's probably the most negatively framed literature yeah. I've seen in relation to Connor yeah. syndrome. Um you know, the, the, the unfortunately, most of the literature is like there. that, isn't it? Most of the literature you get is is worst yeah. case scenario stuff. The worst case scenario. Because they have yeah, to prepare is. you and for that. It's incredibly frightening. Um, you know, and there are families living as well, Fiji, I suppose. Um, you know, with, with what we call Swan syndromes without a name. I've heard um, that. You know, they're, they're, they can't quite put a finger on it. Um, you know, genetics is very important in, in, in the whole area here. Um, like it, was, it was true genetic testing. Connor got diagnosed. And I suppose in, in 2019, um, there was a report issued around genetics. And I saw Stephen Donnelly, you know, tweeting yesterday in support of, of Rare Day. But is, this where they want to, is this where they want to increase the number of things screened for the heel test? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard it. Yeah, that's part of it. We're one of the lowest um you know, we were one of the countries to screen for the lowest That's number right. of we, conditions. We, we, I think we screen for nine. So we could do Spain's a lot more. For four, Spain, Spain or Italy, one of the two screen for yeah. 40. Italy's the top. Yeah, yeah, Italy's brilliant. Yeah. Um, but even within that, trying to get into genetics then, I mean, you know, 80% of, of rare diagnoses come through genetics. Um, we should have 15 geneticists working in Ireland. We have, 
I think we have five with three vacancies advertised, but that's still less than half of what we need for our population size. Um, So, you know, we need a lot um, more geneticists working in the country and we need quicker access to genetics. Okay. Listen, it's a conversation that we can continue any time. Really appreciate your time today, Julie. Thank you. Um, rare disease syndrome was yesterday. If there's somebody in your life with a rare disease, rare syndrome, rare diagnosis, uh, we, we're thinking of you. Thank you, Julie. And on the subject of the death and bereavement and dealing with grief, a conversation, i come back to that too. But we need to go back to migraine. Migraine took us over yesterday. Something I'd never heard of. Vestibular migraine took us over yesterday we'll go back to it next join the conversation this is the opinion line with the Cork City Marathon take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM the Cork Diary Cork's 96 FM Cork Diary is a free service so if you're a community group a not-for-profit organisation or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie The Cork Diary with corksimon.ie because everyone who calls Cork home should have one Cork's 96 FM So let's Go back to yesterday to an email that we got from Bridget, who asks, I wonder if you could be able to help my family with some advice from your listeners. We're at our wits end with my dad. He's been suffering with awful pressure in his head and has been diagnosed with vestibular migraine. He's had CT scans and MRIs, but nothing shows up. This is going on now for two years. His quality of life is diminishing. He can barely walk with the pressure in his head now. He's taking new tablets and now he feels nauseous and unwell. He can't eat. Generally, he's stressed out about what's happening to him. We've been to many doctors, tried loads of tablets, and we're literally watching my dad fade away in front of us. I'm writing to you in the hope that maybe one of your listeners might have an answer or might have somewhere for us to turn. And that came in from Bridget. Uh, we read it and we got call after call after call we took three or four listeners on the air who'd been through it who described their experience with it it's it's quite a horrible thing but many of them said physiotherapy which is confusing in itself why you'd have physiotherapy for something like a, 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 a migraine headache but you do and one of the places that came up uh, highly recommended was East Cork Physio I'm joined from there now by by Sheila Barrett. Uh, Sheila, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Good to have you with us. Your your own background before we discuss vestibular migraine and what it is, Sheila. Um, I suppose I would have been a chartered physio now for over 30 years, uh, predominantly in MSK, your typical backs, necks, hips and so forth, until I read an article about physio treating vertigo about 20 years ago. And I subsequently studied in Emory University in Atlanta in vestibular rehab. And I've been specialising in it ever since, really. Mm. The the term vertigo is spoken almost in the same breath as vestibular migraine. Are they related? What is vestibular migraine? 
So vestibular migraine is basically where the part of the brain that balances us becomes insulted by a migraine event, resulting in sometimes pain, but not always, and on other occasions, vestibular and other symptoms, which can include any combination of vertigo, dizziness, disequilibrium, Some people suffer from nausea or vomiting. A lot of migrainers would be very sensory sensitive, so they'd be very sensitive to light and sound and motion. Mm. Um, And they suffer from these symptoms in a heightened manner then to varying degrees of severity during an episode, either with or without head pain. So some of the patients that would come in with vestibular migraine never had uh, head pain in all their lives. And... They can't believe that they're actually suffering from vestibular migraine when everyone is of the belief that you have to have pain in order, exactly, that you have to have pain in order for it to be uh, a migraine. And because it does sound contradictory if there isn't uh, pain, but the person can either just have pain or they can have pain with all those symptoms or else they might have no pain with just those symptoms. And that's what a vestibular migraine is then. Two of the callers who got on to us yesterday had, but one had gone into early menopause, one had reached menopause at the, if you like, on schedule. It's common in menopause, is it, Sheila? It is, absolutely. I'd say the majority of patients we see would be uh, post-menopausal women. But listen, it can affect all ages and both male and female in a, predominantly three to one women to men ratio. Um, And it's very much also an inherited condition. So very often uh, sufferers will have a family history of migraine. 60% of patients would report a family history of migraine. But again, like that, maybe they suffered, the family uh, suffered from vestibular migraine where there wasn't pain. So they would come in reporting a family history of vertigo so it would have basically have been undiagnosed vestibular migraine that would have caused it so one can imagine going to a physiotherapist for a sore leg or a sore knee or a sore back or a stiff neck or anything like that but how does a physiotherapist deal with vestibular migraine what do you do with it So, like I suppose any condition, the most important starting point is an accurate diagnosis. And there's no single test to diagnose migraine. The diagnosis would be based on exclusion of any other vestibular problem causing the symptoms. So firstly, PJ, we take a detailed history. And inevitably, at the end of that, you almost know what the diagnosis is but we have to be objective about it. And that's where we do what's called a functional vestibular assessment, which basically uh, consists of putting the patient through a series of walking and balance tests. And we would use infrared goggles, which would allow us to test the vestibular system in very much an objective and accurate manner. Um, And as a result, then we can rule out anything else that could be causing the symptoms. And if everything else is excluded, you can narrow it down then to vestibular migraine being the source of the problem. So it's very objectively um, identified and diagnosed. And once you know then that that's what you're dealing with, what do you do? 
So the I suppose the management of it really would be twofold. Um, first of all, you have to educate the patient about how to stop these episodes from recurring or to at least minimize the recurrence of them. Um, and this would be the same for non-vestibular migraineurs, just ordinary migraineurs and um, uh, vestibular migraineurs, um, avoiding lifestyle triggers and being aware of the, the different uh, triggers for migraine. Predominantly, they'd be emotional, like if people are stressed or environmentally, if they're exposed to bright lights or loud noise or lifestyle, if they're like burning the candle at both ends, not getting sleep and not getting exercise. Hormonally as well, like, you know, during a female cycle or menopausal, as we were saying, um, and diet as well has a significant part to yeah. play. So it's really important you teach the patient how to minimize being exposed to those triggers. Sure. And then the second part is to recalibrate the brain after the insult that has happened. So it's almost like a storm hits the brain when the patient suffers the episode. The storm then abates, but the storm damage is still there. And that's where vestibular rehab comes in. Mm. You have to clean it all up, strengthen it up, straighten it out and get everything back on track. Okay. And that's by doing vestibular rehabilitation. Okay. okay. I think we mentioned the menopausal years and it's Bridget's dad who's affected here. But I think you've seen some very young people. Absolutely. It's really across all age groups. I suppose my youngest patient that I can recall now on the spot would have been about three years of age, was sent in with a, a neck problem that his head was going down to the side and they queried a condition called torticollis, where just the, the neck tightens on one side. Peculiar really to, yeah. you know, newborn I was born babies. with it, Sheila. But I know all about it, torticollis, yeah. You, exactly. But this guy was different in the sense that he wasn't there all the time. It came and went. And if you know about torticollis, you know it doesn't come and go. No. It's a tight muscle that's tight until it's stretched out. So I knew there was more going on. And I'm sure when I assessed him, it turned out that he was a migrainer. And this particular pattern is peculiar to pediatrics where the head will go to one side in a tightened position and they'll feel nauseous. The color will go from their face. They'll feel very dizzy. They'll get very upset and so forth. And uh, when I dug deeper with the, the mom, she was a screaming migrainer, as was the whole family. And this poor three-year-old was suffering uh, vestibular migraine episodes. So from three up to my patient that just left there now is in her late 80s um, and into 90s, people can suffer from it. And they may not have suffered from it during their earlier years. They could just suffer from it postmenopausally, you know. There's a lot of it out there by the sounds of it. This this man that Bridget wrote to us about her dad, he also is losing weight and, as she said, fading away. Have you seen that happen? Because he can't eat Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because people feel so unwell... Uh, during an episode and then when the storm has passed and the storm damage still remains, they feel general malaise, they can feel nauseous, they feel unsteady um, and all these are hidden symptoms. So the person goes and has everything investigated, they can be scanned to within an inch of their life 
and being told actually everything is normal. That's You're exactly fine. what's been happening Which, here. This man's had CT scans, yeah, MRIs. Yeah, and it's a very lonely place for patients to be because they're being told they're fine, but they know they're not fine. And of course, then they think that they're going psychotic in the head. And you can imagine the emotional repercussion of that. Like who wouldn't feel deflated and down in themselves if they were feeling all these symptoms and being told, oh, you're fine, you know? So I, I always laugh with patients in the cubicle here because... When they get a diagnosis, inevitably they break down in relief. And I have these massive couch rolls for covering the couch. But I always say to them, this is how much I make people cry. And I give them a tissue. And um, because just the relief of getting a diagnosis. An answer. And I had suggested reading this out, I'd never heard of it. Why have we never heard of it? Unless it seems to affect also our family. Is it? How common is it, Sheila? You're clearly very busy with it. So exactly. It's very, very common. When I would have started training in it 20 years ago, vestibular migraine was virtually unknown. And there were other vestibular problems that were classed as the the, the main causes of vertigo. But as I've been working, I have always said over the years, vestibular migraine will be come the number one and it was just through lack of awareness of it like 40 percent of migraine sufferers themselves will end up suffering from some of these symptoms at some stage in their life very under recognized here in ireland and in europe and it's well recognized in the states it's very much part of mainstream medicine but the good news pj is that it's beginning to be recognised here through undergraduate and postgraduate medical training. I would do a lot of GP training and other professional training, the audiologists and physios and stuff like that to raise the awareness. Um, And also, thank you so much, you, the support of you and your team at 96FM, helping us to raise the awareness of it here today. We were just very taken by the way people responded to the email. And please, God, now we'll be able to help this um, gentleman that has been suffering unnecessarily. Okay, well, we'll keep in touch with that. Uh, Thank you very much for your time. Sheila Barrett uh, is a physiotherapist specialising in the treatment of vestibular 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 migraine. Um, She's been doing that for 20 years. EastCorkPhysio.ie is the website for her workplace and uh, the family got in touch with us again to say they'd made an appointment with Sheila at East Cork Physio and they'll keep in touch as to how we're getting on the family at least now has some hope isn't it nice to come into work and in if every day you come into work and give somebody a little bit of hope then you'd be happy with your day's work, wouldn't you? Coming back to the roads, they've dominated the the conversation this morning. Happy to read as many comments as we can get to. A car tailgating you is terrible, says Tracy, especially on country roads with a lot of bends. It's really dangerous. And some of them do it with their full headlights on. And Mick has a suggestion. We should have bus priority in Ireland. It's compulsory to let buses out into traffic in other countries, but not here. It should be. They're on a schedule and should be prioritised. 0818 96 96 96. The response, big response as well to the news that Cork 
flights to Bristol are back from the end of April. We're talking to, to Jen, who's already booked her first flight home from Bristol. She's been living there since 2019. We need more flights, though. We need more, says Kev. I flew to Lisbon from Dublin. It took me 12 hours to get back through buses and all that. The Bristol flight is a godsend for me. I can finally hop over and see the grandchildren, and they can hop over here. Dublin is really horrible if you're trying to get just to Bristol. 0818-96-96-96. Claire also sent us a voice note on road rage. That's next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. In front of me is one of the most beautiful Instagram pages of ever come across. It is the Instagram page of Liana uh, Modanova, who came to live in Cork a number of years ago. And I think it's fair to say, Liana, you've fallen passionately in love with Ireland, but uh, with Cork in particular. And your, your photos are just, I read about them in, in the Echo and I wanted to see more. And I went, I've got the page open in front of me. They're stunning. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thank you so much for reaching out. They're wonderful, wonderful photographs. Thank you so much. Ireland is beautiful, you know. All, all I do is just showcasing the country. I mean, the nature here is incredible. Um, I'm, I'm originally myself from Latvia, you know, but I came to Ireland um, just, uh, just under 16 years ago. And I remember my first day as it happened yesterday I, I kind of arrived and the weather was so mixed I was like what's happening here yeah. <laughs> it was so weird you know I was like it's raining one minute then it's sunny then it's raining again I was like what do I wear <laughs> so but um, yeah it's just um, it was strange you know it was very strange because in Latvia we have all four seasons you know we have beautiful spring and we have hot summer and very bitter winter and the autumn is absolutely gorgeous yeah. Um, so it was very different for me. We have all four seasons too here, Leanna, but we, you can get them all on one day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But that's <laughs> the best way, you know, you kind of get, get a bit of everything in one day. <laughs> so, so that's great. Can, can I ask how you come to be here for us? You came here when you said 16 years ago. Did you just come on a visit or did you come to work or what? Um, well, my, my father passed away from cancer. Okay. So I was 18 when he passed away. And I decided just to kind of, I, I couldn't stay home. I just couldn't, I just, I just had to go. I just had to go and, yeah. and see the place. I had to go and travel, you know? And I said to my mom, I said, I'm going to go and travel the world. She was like, okay, just, you have to be careful. I watched all these terrible TV shows and everything. I was like, it's going to be fine. You know, like all mommies, yeah, <laughs> they worry about their children. So um, my first stop was Ireland. And that was kind of my last stop. Really. Why, why was it your first stop? How did you choose Ireland? Um, my father was in military, you know, and he kind of got to travel a bit around and stuff. And he was telling about Irish coast, you know, and everything. And he was like, oh, I remember the days when I was in Ireland. And I was like, oh, that's so nice, you know. And I said, you know what, I'm going to start from Ireland and I see where I go from there. <laughs> so I, I, I arrived to Dublin. Now, Dublin is great. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's beautiful. You know, there's so much history and it's capital and everything, you know, but there is so much more to Ireland. So I arrived to, to Dublin. I stayed for a while in Dublin. Then I said, you know what? I have to go and, and, and explore a little bit further. I'm going to go to Cork. 
So I went to Cork and I was by myself. I traveled to Ireland all on my own. I was 18, came to Ireland, you know. Yeah. And it happened to be that my friend was living in Cork. And she was like, you should stay here. You should just kind of stay for a little bit longer. And I stayed for a little bit longer, you know. And um, then I was like, okay, I, I think it's kind of time to maybe go home. And then, and then I met my husband, my now husband, 14 years later, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay. So, and it's just, you know, kind of started exploring the country. Well, I, to be honest, I kind of started exploring more yeah. about five years ago. Uh, before that, I was just kind of going around Cork. And then, you know, I was like, okay, I, I need to see a little bit more, you know, and I went to um, around the Kinsale area and all that. And I was working in the office and my colleagues, they were like, oh, there is nothing to do in Ireland. It's always raining. It's it's always such a bad weather. And I was like, oh, it's, it's not really. It's actually okay. <laughs> you kind of just wear a good jacket and you just go out, you know, they're like, no, no, it's terrible. It's such a bad weather. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to try and, and just prove them wrong. I'm going to try and prove them wrong. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to take a couple of pictures and, and just show. And I had this terrible phone, like absolutely awful phone that the, the camera was just, it was nightmare. But anyway, so I, I, I made the Instagram page, you know, and I kind of dropped a few pictures just to kind of have it uh, backed up there, you know, yeah. and, and, and it just started kicking off somehow, you know, it's just people started following asking questions and things and I was like oh that's great okay let's just yeah. keep going you know yeah. and and the, the more I was traveling around you know and it was kind of more local as I would say and then I said like, you know I have to go further I was going further west and I was going further east and then I was going to Kerry and then I was going to Waterford and then Wexford and then I was like well, I have to go to County Clare and it was just like an addiction it just became like an addiction I have to go and see more and there is so much yeah I'm just scrolling your page here as we talk and I, you know, you've got one there from Gugan Barra, gorgeous photograph of Gugan Barra. There's one of north side of Cork City. There's a there's a cliff somewhere. There's something something I've never seen in my life. The Bridges of Ross, just a stunning photograph. Mm -hmm. Can I ask something? Mm -hmm. Are you using a drone? Because these are really, really good pictures. Yes. Yes, I, I do use a drone. Um, I actually bought it during COVID <laughs> because it was kind of difficult to, like, you were not allowed to go anywhere, you know, you kind of had to stick around your area and two kilometers. That's like the worst nightmare. So I was like, okay, I can't walk anywhere, but I can fly. I can fly. So I got my license and I was flying. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of walking, I was flying. I've heard of ways to get around the COVID restrictions, but that's the best chance you bought a, a drone. Here's another one. Like, is that is that Fastnet and the Beacon at Baltimore and, and Charles Ford? Leanna, these are wonderful photographs. There's a book, there's a calendar, there's something in these. You know what? There were so many places, so many unexplored places around. Um, usually when, when you kind of tell people, oh, have you been, like, you ask them a question, have you been to Cork? And they're like, oh, yeah, I've been to Kinsale. I love Kinsale. Kinsale is one of my favorite places. Yeah. But Cork is not all about Shandon and Kinsale. <laughs> it's not all about that. Or, or Guggenbar. Guggenbar, I love Guggenbar. I, I mean, I was like, I'm crazy about Guggenbar. But there is so much more. So many removed spots around Cork. I, I, I can't even, I don't even know, PJ, where to start telling you about Cork. It's insane. It's the largest county. Going from east, west, it's, it takes longer to drive than going up to Dublin. 
like just thinking about that how large it is the coastline the, the inland there is so much history so many monuments it's insane listening to the enthusiasm in your voice and scrolling as i listen here i am listening to someone who comes from latvia telling me about the beauty of my county and my city and i'm realizing she knows more about it than I do. This is extraordinary work. We're going to share the link to your page. Thank you so much. I I just, you know, I know a lot of people don't feel the same way. And I know there is a lot of struggle in general, you know, and we all have our struggles. But for me, I work, um, I work for IT companies work um, and I work Tuesday to Saturday. So I'm, I'm a busy lady, you know, and I'm a mom as well. So I have all the regular duties from Tuesday to Saturday, you know, like everyone else. But the minute I finish my work on Saturday, I pack my bag and I get ready for my weekend because I just go anywhere. You know, I just get into the car and I just drive. I I, I go off the big roads. I go down the smaller roads, you know, and I, I just explore. There is like, the places you can, I, I can't even explain how many amazing spots there is out there to visit. Do you have, of all the places you've been and all the places you've photographed, do you have a favourite? I do, I do. It's actually in Glengariff, Barley Lake. Um, mm-hmm. You can actually drive up. It's it's kind of lake in the mountains. It's absolutely stunning. You can drive up. The drive to the lake is a bit awkward. Uh, it's quite steep, you know, so you want to be a good driver to to drive up that, that road. Um, but the lake is just, it's phenomenal. I remember when I was, um, I was nine months pregnant, you know, and I was, well, I was quite heavily pregnant and I was climbing through through these rocks just to get to the lake with my husband, you know, and the, the view from there is just mind-blowing. It feels like you are, I don't know, on top of the world. Yeah, I'm looking at another one of my favourite places now before I let you go, Loch Ayn. Mm-hmm. I love a, love a swim in Loch Ayn. It's beautiful. Leanne, I could, mm-hmm. I could spend the day going through your photographs. I really hope you do something with them because there's a book, there's a calendar, there's mm-hmm. a future in this work. And, and, and thank, thank you. you for showing off my county in such a wonderful way. I'm just happy to showcase it, PJ. It's it's such a beautiful co- county, you know. And for anyone traveling to Ireland, I think, like I was saying, Dublin is great. It's full of history and it's buzz and, you know, and it's capital and everything. But it's all about Cork at the end of the day, you know. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> you know, there is there's Ireland and then there is Cork. <laughs> you really have become one of us, haven't you? Is, is your husband local? He is. He's a Blarney boy. Oh, the Instagram handle is Lemon Limod, L-E-M-O-N-L-A-M-O-D, and people can follow it and see your work there. It's been a pleasure to speak with Ileana. Thank you very much. Thank you, PJ. Thank you. Cheers. Uh, it's the, the work. Just go and have a look. Go and have a look. Stunning photographs. Thanks, Ileana. 0818-96-96-96. I'll hold off on that uh, WhatsApp. That Actually, no, I'll do it. I will do it because it, we might lose its effect. We started talking about road rage. And let's give Claire the last word today on road rage. I uh, just picking up there on the um, road rage. So I was just finished a long day in work a few weeks ago, and I live down East Park, 
and I put it into Google Maps every day that I finished to see which would be quicker to go through town or to go through the tunnel. And this day was telling me to go through town. I wouldn't be overly familiar with all the roads um, on that side of the city. And it was a genuine mistake. I was in the wrong lane to go towards the train station. So I flicked on my indicator and all the cars coming up the left side of me, when they saw me with my indicator on, they all sped up and started beeping at me one after the other so I couldn't get in. The woman behind me when I looked in the mirror was screaming through her windscreen at me and I actually got an awful fright. I had to just turn off my indicator and ended up having to go straight on. It brought me down by the marina and I ended up being stuck in traffic for an extra 45 minutes and I was late collecting my daughter from after school and I actually, I just couldn't believe how, like, nobody would let me in. It was a genuine mistake. I wasn't queue skipping. I wasn't trying to get anywhere faster. Like, so just give people a little bit of leeway. I know it's frustrating when everybody is stuck in traffic and it's not moving, but like, not everybody is there just trying to skip the queues. Like some people make genuine mistakes and it, it cost me actually money because I had to pay the after school for an extra hour and my daughter was stuck there then for an extra hour on her own and all the other kids were going home. So just if people can just be a bit more kinder on the roads and just not assume that everybody is being, you know, sneaky, trying to just skip the queue. Like when, when a lot of the time people aren't, they just genuinely make mistakes. Claire, thanks for that. And Claire, we'll get the the last word today on road rage. There's a lot of it out there. An awful lot of it out there. I see Emer putting on the Colta, the Colta Moor, because she's heading off to the sun for... Uh, would you at least wait till I finish the programme, Mrs. before you start running out the door? <laughs> no, she's, she's off. She's off to Tenerife, you lucky swine. Mind you, it could be worse. I see where there's a blizzard in Ibiza at the moment and a red weather warning in Mallorca. Go, enjoy your holidays. We'll see you when you get back. Program edited by Ewer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining this busy conversation in whatever way you did. And we'll see you tomorrow just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.